Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
We thank you for teaching us, for teaching us the things that otherwise, without going through life challenges as we are, we would not understand. Thank you for bringing us to a place where we're on the edge of utter and absolute surrender, knowing that the destination is complete surrender. Thank you, Father God, for helping us to know that when we come to that place of total surrender, not just mouth surrender or thinking surrender or mind surrender or lip service surrender, but a place where we truly understand that there is no possible way, there's no place to turn, there's no person that we can call upon, there's no secret bank account, there's no way that we can possibly endure not even another day without your presence in our lives. We thank you, Jesus, for being so close to us, and and we thank you for your word because you are the word, and you and the Father are one. Through the presence of the Godhead and the presence of you in us to help us to understand that the words that are written in the Scripture go beyond this planet, go beyond this existence, so far beyond this existence that it's impossible for us to be able to even begin to comprehend it. Father, we thank you for helping us to be able to embrace the unembraceable. We thank you for teaching us to see things through eternal eyes. For without the view of eternal eyes, without keeping our minds stayed on things above, Colossians 3, 2, without helping us to be able to implant our, the, the, the very essence of our heart and every thought that we think, into the supernatural realm of that which is not planet Earth, knowing that we weren't from here, we're not staying here, and we are leaving, and it sure seems then. And quite frankly, Father, at this point, many of us have probably come to a place where whether it is throwing, flying up into the sky in the form of the rapture, which of course all of us would prefer, at one point or another we're going to be taken home. And it might happen in a different way than we we imagine. And it's okay because that's where we want to be. We want to be in front of you, Jesus. We want to be welcomed with open arms. We don't want to be judged. We don't want to be held accountable for all of the words or everything that we have ever said. We know that the Scripture says that, but we also know that the Scripture also simultaneously says that you will not remember our sins. You will blot out our iniquity and our transgressions. But thank you for revealing to each of us that the walk, the sanctification process, the daily moments of our breathing and thinking and drinking water and eating food and dealing with corporate America and corporate Belgium and corporate France or wherever it is that we're corporate Australia, wherever it is that we're listening from, wherever it is that we are... It could even be corporate India, corporate Pakistan. I have no idea where everybody is that's listening. Corporate Philippines. Father, we just praise you for helping us to understand that, again, once again, the most important thing of all is that we never were from here to begin with. And this is all really an essentially, essentially a type of illusion, a type of hologram. As Einstein said, albeit a very convincing one. Understanding that we are, in fact, in a type of a prison planet, going through uh, um, imprisonment. As Paul said, I am a prisoner of Christ. 
and and shall we all not be. And we praise you to help us to understand these things because once we begin that journey, that's, that's a turn on the road of the sanctification process that many do not ever come to. And we praise you for helping us to understand these things because without this understanding, the various challenges that many of us are going through would be just absolutely not, we, we wouldn't be able to deal with them. We would literally fall apart. It would crush us. We would have no ability to stand. We'd have no ability to understand why it was happening to us. And so many people out there that are part of, we will just say, the Christian faith have not come to a place where they understand who they truly are. And they will see the trials and tribulations and the difficulties and the horrible things that are going to be happening to people all over the world as something being wrong. Something being out of place, something that they truly do not understand the grand scheme of the the end to end, well, the end game. The, the, I hate to use the word game, but Father, we praise you. Whatever the right word is, when you bring us to that point of understanding where we realize that n- none of this ever was intended to matter to us. And that drinking from the cup of forgetfulness, Isaiah 56, from the valley of forgetfulness, we understand that this destiny was never ours to begin with. As part of the elect, we are chosen and special, even predestined indeed. And our ultimate mission is to serve our Lord Jesus and to love him with all of our heart. And really, I don't think, at least for me, truly falling in love with you, Jesus, is which is so utterly mandatory and should automatically happen through the walk if we are hungrily going and running to you and running to our Father. That I, I wish I had the scriptures handy, but in it, it, it was kind of a parable, but not really. It was a type of a lesson where you, you said to those who were about you, Lord, you said to them, who is going to love you more? The ones who were forgiven for a lot or the ones who were forgiven for just a little of offenses. And we, Father, are ultimately probably some of the most guilty because we recognize who we used to be. We read your word. We understand the delicate nature of this of the narrow path. We understand how rapidly and easily we can slip even by virtue of even a, the most infinitesimally small thought entering our heart that we can be in a place which is outside of your will, impure, lacking faith, quick to judge others, quick to blame, quick to point fingers and think that other people are out of line. And in some ways they are, but in some ways we are too. And to bring us to a place, Father, in the name of Jesus and in the presence of the Godhead, as part of the Godhead, to come to a place where our hearts ache. Because we realize that not only those who we pray for and those that we do not pray for and ourselves are so utterly unworthy that we cannot to imagine that even Isaiah would be undone. And we're not able to grasp the magnitude of that glory. We're not able to grasp the filthiness of our flesh. 
We're unable to grasp where we are in our walk and how critical, how utterly vital it is that we come as pure, we become as pure in our walk and thoughts as is possible, always recognizing that we shall not, we will not ever arrive, not in this place. It's a journey, it's difficult, and the trials and tribulations shall never end. They won't ever, never end until we depart, whether we die in our sleep, whether we die in a tsunami, whether we die in a house fire, whether whatever, or, or we are swept up into the air through the rapture, which we pray through the barley harvest, we pray that we are all found worthy to make because we are continuously searching our own hearts. We are continuously um, examining our thoughts. We are continuously looking at that which you look at always, Father, and we know what is acceptable and holy, and we struggle to, to line up with your righteousness, for it is your righteousness, Father, not ours, that we depend so much upon. And if it were not for the trials and tribulations, the impossible obstacles, the, the, the scary circumstances that so many of us are thrust into with no options whatsoever, no place to turn, if it wasn't for being brought to that place, we, could, we would never come to that place of complete surrender. We would never realize how, how easy it is for us to give lip service to the kingdom and say that we trust you, but we don't. Because if we have an, any anxieties, any worries, any concerns, any doubts of where our destiny, destiny also ultimately is and whose hand is controlling our life and looking out for us, the divine protection that comes only from our Father and our Lord Jesus, the, the creators of creation, so far beyond anything that could be associated with this teeny-weeny little planet, that's so utterly insignificant in the grand scheme of all of creation and the trillions of life forms, the eternal realm that can be seen even through the telescopes of outer space. Yet we are concerned about our little 50 or 20 or 10, maybe even five square mile, you know, world. Forgetting that you have us in your hands that we're on the boat, and that all we need to do is continue to get closer to you, continue to hunger and thirst and pant like the deer for the water. We just need to be ever-present, and we praise you for the trials and tribulations, because when we feel that, that, that desperacy, when we feel this sense of, oh, no, what could happen to me if this happens? When that enters our heart, and it can be from our heart, it does not have to be an attack from Satan, and it can be sanctioned from the throne room, because we are crushed, and when we are crushed, we come to a place where we just don't have a choice. And we praise you, Father, for our walks, because we know that if we don't walk or we're not responding to your chastening, or we're not responding to the refiner's fire in the way that is necessary— if it's, if it's a chastening that we're not responding to, we could very easily end up with a feeding tube on a bed with a respirator because we know that our Father is not going to let us slip. We know that the angels will come to us in our dreams and visions even if we're laying on a hospital bed, but you're not going to let us slip, not if we're trying. And not if we turn, not, you know, and of course, we're never, never going to ever give up 
our feet are firmly planted and steadfast in your promises, but we are woefully inadequate to be able to live up to them. We praise you for bringing us to that place where we're beyond, we're never beyond chastening, but we may be at a place in our journey where we are experiencing the refiner's fire, which is a higher level of training and learning. When we transcend the place where we need to be chastened and to bring us to the narrow path walk and the will of you, you, Father, for our lives to drive us in the direction that you have destined Psalm 139.16 for us to walk in, then we, once we transcend the chastening part of our walk, we enter into the refiner's fire walk of the walk, which never ends. We should fear the idea that it would end, because if it does end, then we fail to grow. We will never grow unless we are going through trials and tribulations. Never. We have to go through them. And we can arrive at different places of comfort as long as we place you first and constantly praise you and thank you and know that we are being protected and understand that we're walking in divine, in your divine power and presence at all times, even though it seems like sometimes, just like it did to Jesus on the cross, that you have forsaken us, Father, but there is nothing further from the truth. And we know that now. We understand these things and we praise you for it because once we enter into that journey, the phase of our journey that we are in clearly right now, most of us, maybe not all, and that's okay, it's still a journey. And those that are, are, there may be those of us or those of you out there that are listening to this program that have never heard it before and don't understand these things. And I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit will quicken and bring you rapidly and in, and in uh, you know at, at a speed that is so far beyond comprehension that maybe took us ten years or more to be able to of, of of refining and chastening and difficult times and difficult walks impossible circumstances and mini miracles and and big miracles and impossible coincidences because it brings us to a place where we realize through your grace and through your mercy Father God that we are being watched after. But we can't see it looking forward. We can only see it looking backward because hindsight is twenty twenty. We praise you and let us, and we pray, Father, to teach us in our hearts. It quicken upon us through the presence of the Holy Spirit and absolute recollection of all of the times in which, even at the last, very last minute, when we thought all was lost, that you came through for us in our lives. We are painfully and utterly aware of how ugly things are likely to get in the imminent future, and we do not know and have no no understanding whatsoever how long this could take. Many of us, through our various stages of grief, as we understand what we're going through and begin to let go and come to that place of true surrender where we have peace through trust, as we're on, that's the goal, that's the journey, that's the prize at the end of this earthly walk, is to get to that place of true peace, true surrender, completely, no, absolutely not a single option whatsoever. We have none. It is the place that a person ha- is at when they are laying on their deathbed in a hospital. And we have been blessed by you to be brought very close to that place and wish to continue that journey. 
if at all possible, Father, to serve you in a manner to be pure enough to be considered to be part of the barley harvest, not just for the sake of escape, but also for the anointing upon us that is necessary for us to be the appropriate witnesses through the presence of the Holy Spirit to plant exactly the right seed in those, our brothers and sisters out there, who know things are not correct, who are aware to some degree how end times apocalyptic these days are. It's amazing, Father, how little it takes the 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 mustard seed that that the tiniest seed of all that would be planted like that uh, into somebody's heart. It takes so little to help someone understand. They see the fraud. They see the bad things. They see the riots, the chaos, the mayhem, the evil that is coming out of the, uh, the Babylon the Great, this country that I happen to be a part of. Praise you, Jesus. And, Father, we knew it was going to happen. We knew it was coming. We do not and will never pray against your will. And we know what your will is because it is written in the Word, and the Word is our Lord Jesus Christ. And we shall never be anti-Christ. We shall never be against the Word. And the Word clearly says that we will go through very hard times. But it does not necessarily say that we will be sawed in half or hung upside down on a cross or what or or slot it doesn't say any of that although it's possible it doesn't say that it's part of our walk in the end times what it says is is that we will be kept in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on you what does that word mean to be stayed on you to be constantly in communication to be constantly praising you in gratitude between every meeting between every conversation between every knock on the door between every bite of food to be utterly immersed in all of which is the godhead is the presence of jesus the holy spirit it is amazing even as I was somewhat later than normal setting up the program, Father, I praise you for the quickening of the Holy Spirit. It could have been nothing but that. I scheduled the show this morning. I really wasn't – it was so normal, such a normal thing for me to do, to just wake up and schedule the show. But then literally moments before the beginning of the show, I realized that I had accidentally – I didn't realize it because I saw it. I realized it because the Holy Spirit quickened it into my heart, and suddenly I knew that I had improperly, I had failed to set the music to the appropriate song for the prayer vigil, which would have been just not right. And Father, you quickened it into my heart, and I praise you for that, because that just that tiny little quickening, at the very, very last second, I knew it was you. I knew it was the presence of our awesome Father, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus. And these things we must learn to become aware of. We need to keep a journal. We need to keep a notebook. We need to remember all the many miracles. We need to write a journal, and that journal needs to be written by our hands, and we need to write down all the times throughout our entire life to build an, some type of, a, a again, a journal of all of the times that you have done amazing, incredible, unbelievable things, even when we were seeped in sin. 
That is just unbelievable. It's amazing. It runs contrary to some to our understanding of some of the scriptures. I I won't get into the advanced mystery details associated with some of that those dynamics right now, but I just want to praise you for it, Father, because we know we all need to have a quickening upon our heart to understand that which we have gone through recently and many years ago and even now worse than ever before because we must be we must be able to look at the, the the record we must be able to see all the times that your hand was miraculously inter uh, well it's not interfering it's injecting it's it's shifting a change causing something to happen and and rescuing us from a desperately horrible outcome and how many times that has happened in our lives? How many times did a massive, unbelievable coincidence occur 30 years ago that shifted the direction of our destiny to the place that we are right now? Even though we are suffering through fiery trials, the things that we're going through right now are not because of necessarily – it has nothing to do with bad behavior. It has nothing to do – it has everything to do with you, Father, loving us. How difficult is it for us – in our flesh, to understand that by putting us through the fiery trials that we're going through, the, the things that are insurmountable, literally insurmountable, equivalent to be, to be laying on a hospital bed with a prognosis of a couple of weeks of life at best, a place where we would be in tears every day, praising you with our hands lifted as we knew that we were coming home any day. If we could only live that way each day and 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 turn our backs, cut the umbilical cord to the to this notion that we have some dependency on this earth, which we do not, other than to serve our Lord Jesus, to understand that we are ambassadors for the for the for the kingdom, the royalty of the universe, we are that even now. A royal priesthood. This is not a royal priesthood that that was part of the you know the tents in the Levitical uh, times uh, you know on the earth uh, thousands of years ago. It's 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 it, it, it's it's linked to it. It's part of it, but it's different because you were brought us to a point of understanding that is beyond that which was available to those that lived during those times. You've helped us. We were born in a generation that was full of Star Trek and, and, and science truth movies being programmed by the darkness to miss the point and not realize that you were speaking and quickening to our hearts who we actually are in the grand scheme of all of creation. Helping us to understand what our ultimate destiny is and how huge this actually is. To be able to realize the bigger creation is, the bigger the kingdom is, the bigger our role will be in it, and the more we have to be crushed now, humbled now, to even be considered. To be, have to be bestowed such power, such authority as part of the ruling and reigning class of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords over trillions of life forms, multiple universes, and an untold number of dimensions. And it requires a lot of training. It requires us to unlearn virtually everything that we've been taught and to go to our scripture to empty that 
bucket to empty whatever it is that we've had programmed into our heart and recognize who we are and understand that divine power to recognize that we aren't subject to the things of this earth. Yes, we may go through some persecution while we're here. Yes, we will go through some difficult times, but praise you, Jesus, to bring us past the point if we have come there. And Father, we pray for the people who haven't. We pray for those who are still going through chastening. And Father, we pray desperately for those in Jesus' name that are going through the fiery trials and, 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 the, uh, and the refining fire. Because in many ways, the chastening is actually much easier to go through than the refiner's fire, particularly in the end times. Because you need the ultimate place in that journey to be brought to is a place that is the equivalent of being given a two-week prognosis for life. If we could only understand a person who is lying on their deathbed, only having 14 days to live, doesn't care about their mortgage. They don't care about whether or not this, that, or the other thing is going to happen or they're going to have a job next week. All they care about is being right with you. All their trust is 1,000% in you. And if we could come to that place through the refining that we're going through right now, the difficult times, be brought to a point where we have no place to turn to and to recognize that we dwell there. When we dwell in the place that has no options on earth, we finally come to that place where the only peace we ever have is to remember how you've always been there for us and to totally trust you, to never have to face the question that you asked me, and oh, I have so much more to learn. Do you know who I am? Father, we do know who you are. We are weak, and thou art strong. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your advocacy. Father, we praise you for your determination to bring us to a, to a whole nother level. That it's one thing if a person takes and dedicates their entire life to the missions field and such like that because they're, at that point they thrust themselves into that place of total dependency. But when we're those who were all part of this hierarchy of Christianity and the body of Christ. And if it wasn't for those of us who are working in corporate America, if it wasn't for those of us who are bringing in uh, 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 income and seeding into the kingdom, hopefully in abundance, we, there would be no missionaries. It takes the entire body of Christ to make the glory happen, to save the souls, the prayer power, the spiritual warfare understanding, and so many just don't understand these things. Everyone has a great, wonderful thing that they can contribute. Everyone has experiences and things that they've gone through that help to enrich the body of Christ. But no one stands alone. And we praise you because we recognize and we're experiencing it. Many of us are. And if you haven't yet, you probably will. So please stand by. And don't get scared. Just let it happen. Hand it over to Jesus. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to understand these things. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to be brought to a place where, we're, where we realize we don't have any place to turn to. 
No one's going to drop $10,000 on our porch. It's just simply not going to happen. There isn't going to be an angel arrive with a briefcase with a bunch of money. And shame on us for actually hoping that that would be the only answer to our 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 any given dilemma that we're in. Let us hope and pray that it is your will that we walk in, that the place that you're bringing us to is the place that we need to be. Whatever it is we're going through is to humble us, keep us contrite, keep us on our knees, continuously praising you and always trusting you. Because that is when and only when all the promises of the end times and your divine protection kick in. For those who do not understand that, they have much more horrible and much more bumpy roads to endure ahead. But for those of us who have already let go because we had no choice because of the blessing of your, of your refining, that place that – when you come to a place in your walk where you have no choice but to trust God, where you – have a a whisper of a dream in the middle of the night and you toss and turn for a moment and you suddenly realize you're awake and you recognize, you, you realize at that moment that for whatever reason you, you were thinking in your sleep about something that you're going through that seems impossible and the outcomes Nine out of ten of the possible outcomes are horrible. And when you roll over in bed, maybe pull the blanket over your head and we start to talk to you. We praise you, Father. We say, Father, thank you for bringing me through these things. Thank you, Father, for my trust in you. I ask you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I give these problems to you because you will help me with them. I trust you. I believe it. I, you, you confess it. There's life and death in the power of the tongue, particularly when Jesus and the Holy Spirit are absolutely intermingled with your spirit, and that power is so supernatural and beyond our comprehension, and we just give it all to you. Please, Father, help us get through this day. Please, Father, help us open the doors that need to be opened. Please, Father, open the the opportunity for a job that I need because my spouse has turned against me. Please, Father, Save me from myself. Cover up something that I said in a meeting that could have gotten me terminated. Whatever the case is, Father, make good. The the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord like the rivers of water. You turn it wherever you wish, Proverbs 21.1. Why wouldn't we embrace that promise and hand it to you and know that you will take care of it for us? That that path will be made straight because we trust you to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our heart. If we really, uh, here's your litmus test, praise Jesus, your litmus test to know whether or not you are truly trusting your father is if you truly have peace. If Now, that does not. So the way it works, and I'm just sharing this with you because the Lord is quickening it to me, the way it works is you've got a trigger event. It could be a long-lasting trigger event, or it could be one that only lasts a couple of days. But it's a trigger event. The trigger event enters into your life. And by the way, the trigger events are an early warning sign that you're about to go through some refiner's fire stuff. But 
the ultimate goal is to bring you to the place where that trigger event does not generate anxiety. It does not generate worry. It does not generate depression. The, when you get to a place where that trigger event is something, it's horrific. It's so scary. You can't put it into words. You can't sleep. You're rolling around in your bed. You can only think of nine out of 10 horrific, absolutely unacceptable outcomes that would occur if that trigger event were to happen. There's an old saying, praise Jesus, that says, my life is full of catastrophes that never occurred. Thank you, Father, for bringing us to a place where we recognize that you're in control. And you truly love us, even though we feel utterly unworthy. We're very quick to blame Satan and the demons for the feelings, the negative feelings that we have and the anxieties that we have, but there's no support for that in the Bible. It's possible, but it's not necessarily probable because it is our hearts, the renewing of our minds. It's, it's the knowledge that we are not as perfect as we feel that we ought to be. And, and, and it's the journey. It's the recognition of that constant cycle of sin and sinful thoughts and things that are out of alignment with perfect love, because perfect love casts out all fear. We have to be brought to that place. We have to come to that place of true surrender. And the only way you know when you have come to that place of total trust in God, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't worry about what you think or what you understand. Forget about it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Toss it. It's worthless meaningless, has nothing to do with the outcome. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Throw out everything else. It's garbage, rubbish. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own pathetic, earthly, fleshy understanding, woefully inadequate. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your anything that is that has entered your head surrender it and lay it at the foot of the cross and then god through his mercy and his love for you will take control and will do just what he did for nehemiah just what he did for daniel just what he did for all of the patriarchs just what he's done for gazillions who knows how many uh missionaries over thousands of years of time all the you know it it it, it and it but it requires that surrender it requires knowing you have no other place to turn it requires knowing that without a miracle a whole domino effect of ugly is going to body slam you into another, into a really hard place to dig yourself out of. And it never had to happen in the first place if we would just have trusted you, Father. Thank you for the refiner's fire. Praise you for the difficult times that we are in right now. Whether you can say it's a battle of the mind, indeed it is. But it's not so much that as as it is a battle of the fact that we are a royal priesthood. The fact that our destiny 
is that which threatens the very darkness that is engulfing and surrounding us and crushing in on us. It is very much a major part of our own thinking process, our own flesh, our own personal experiences, and the things that we've seen happen to other Christians. But we do not know what those other Christians were going through, what refining had to be done with them. We don't know that. All we see is the experiences that they went through, so we assume that we must go through them too, or we might have to. Each individual one of us will get an individual refiner's fire um, experience, and it will be custom-made for you. And it will be agonizing. You will look and you will say to yourself, oh, there's so many people going through so many more horrible things than I am. And then you'll have that twinge of guilt. But that's really not an accurate characterization of what you're going through. What you're going through is custom made just for you. It's your situation, it's your life, it's your family dynamics, it's your work dynamics, it's, it's your car dynamics, it's everything else dynamics. All of these things that are associated with your existence in this strange hologram that is almost nearly intolerable to deal with on, a, uh, on a, even a, an hourly basis, let alone a daily basis, sometimes. And it's with that surrender, Father. We praise you. It's with that refiner's fire where we just don't have to worry about it because we don't care about anything on the earth. We know that you have us protected. We know that you, we give it to you. We surrender it to you. Surrender equals peace. Surrender equals trust. Trust in God equals dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, bringing you to the place where you have no place to turn, which we shouldn't anyway, and we want to be in the presence of God. We want to trust you. We have to trust you. And when we reside there, when we stay there, when, we, when, we, when, when our walk is such that we deviate from that place of total surrender with no option. When we deviate from that desire to wanting to be in your presence, to trust you, Father, to be praising and having tears coming down our eyes because of the miracle of the very idea that we're at the place in our walk that we are, to be chosen or I don't know what, what the words are to say. I don't know why there are some of us who progress past so many other brothers and sisters of ours. I don't know why. I don't know why. It has to, has to have something to do with spiritual acuity, capacity, and I don't know. I, I really don't understand it. But I see it, and I see it vividly, and I think many of us do. Praise you, Jesus. And when we and we don't know why. You know, we know that we're not any, any more special than any other member of the body of Christ, and we can hypothesize about things that happened, you know, millions of years ago, maybe. But we don't, we really don't know. But we got to praise you for it. We got to recognize it because just by recognizing that we are so privileged, what is it about those of us who are going through continuous back-to-back -back refiners, fire, trials, tribulations, and 
challenges and impossible situations to be brought. What is it about us that we're so blessed? There is no greater blessing in all of the universes than to be crushed beyond. We're being brought to a place where we actually might qualify to be part of the ruling class, the highest level, the first fruits, the barley harvest. And it comes with being having no place, not even wanting to have any other place. When you come to the place where you're – see, there's for, – for me, and it's still a, a work in progress for sure and probably forever will be, but I'm just saying for me, thank you, Jesus – I am a control freak. I, I have, you know, to, to a light degree, a little bit of obsessive compulsiveness in, in how I think about things. I'm a detail freak. I want things to be in order. I want my soup cans faced up on the shelf. I want them, you know, right now there, it's a terrible mess. It's beside the point. But I, I've always thought that it was something that I've done proactively to progress, <coughs> excuse me, to be prepared for what the contingency plan might be. What is my plan B? What is my plan C? What is my, 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 my? And therein lies the root cause problem. Until the my is taken out, we want to live in a continuous place where there is no my or I, where it is simply blue sea of peace, a deep blue sea of trust, a deep blue sea of dwelling happily in the presence of love, of love that comes only from the headquarters, from the kingdom of our living Lord God, the kingdom of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, Mount Zion, on the other side of those gates, not just in the suburbs, not in the country mansions, but literally in the presence of the glory of God, and to reside there because we're happy there. We praise you, Father, for helping us to understand that transcending this journey to that place, going through impossible situations that scare us so bad we can't sleep at all, terrify us, going through those situations are a blessing. Because if we didn't, we wouldn't. We wouldn't trust you. And that journey is absolutely mandatory. And without that journey, I doubt very many will make the barley harvest, will make the first fruits. Because without that journey, without the fervency of our prayer, the holy fire around us, that holy fire opening in the firmament of the rock that surrounds this earth in the spiritual realm and breaks through into the throne room of God and lights up the very presence Godhead in our lives and surrounds us with divine protection even as we walk, well, through our own valleys of, sh- of the shadow of death, which is really nothing more than the opening of our freedom to glory for those who ha- of us who have been blessed with heavenly eyes. 
We pray, Father, in Jesus' name, if we, if we have more refiners fired to go through, that you will bring us through it. If it is at all possible, though, Father, we do ask, please, in Jesus' name, that you will quicken into our hearts things that we may need to know to avoid chastening, to avoid horrific you know, outcomes, because they can be part of that journey, and we would love it if you would consider, please, in Jesus' name, to help us navigate that refiner's fire gracefully and with your holy hand involved in opening the doors that need to be opened, slamming shut those which we need not to be bothered with, focusing our hearts and minds on you and praising you throughout that journey, knowing that we will end up where you want us to be. Remembering that 10, 15, 20 years ago, we may have been poor as church mice. We may have filed bankruptcy. We may have had one clunker of a car to get us back and two people back and forth to work. We may have been two days away from complete disaster if we lost our jobs. But also remembering that in some cases, those were the most peaceful and wonderful days of our lives. How quickly we forget. We thank you, Father, and we ask you for a graceful walk to come through the refiner's fire. Ever growing, ever trusting even more, ever remembering evermore the journey from whence we came and increasing ever increasing the divine hope that we it's more than just hope it's knowledge of the truth of where we are going in Jesus name we pray that we will not miss and that through your refiner's fire the difficult times that we have ahead of us will go by very a whole lot less impactful than they could could otherwise. Let's just leave it at that. Knowing that your hand will always be there. Knowing that there will be an angel to lift us up lest we dash our foot against the stone because we love you and we want to reside in the secret place of the Most High. And we know that if it wasn't for trusting you and giving you control of the things in our lives, not worrying about it, having no, because that's a lack of faith. That's the manifestation of a lack of faith. When we start to worry, when we start pitching back and forth in our bed, there's nothing wrong with that being a trigger and causing us to pray because the prayer is absolutely mandatory. No prayer, no answer. We must always pray no matter how hard things get, and we must always praise, no matter how hard things get. It's all part of the journey, and it's all part of bringing us to where we need to be so that what we have to endure in the days ahead ahead, is minimal. The impacts are minimal. And the opportunity laid before us to glorify you miraculously through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and being made ready for the days that will, um, wow, what is the word, catastrophically affect our brothers and sisters and so many of them of which are even still unsaved. 
and the opportunity that you have laid before us to serve you, Father, and give you glory simply by being willing to go through this refiner's fire and totally trust you. No matter how horrific it looks, it'll be just fine. Because none of this matters. None of this matters. Praise God. Tonight is December the 2nd, believe it or not, of 2022. Who would have thunk? <laughs> My mom used to say that all the time. Who would have thunk that? Thank you, Jesus. And uh, I'm trying to focus my eyes. I'm getting old. Hitting 61 in March. Hallelujah. Who would have thought that? I never figured I'd live that long. Anyway, um, it is the 8th of Kislev, 5783. The next holiday is right on Hanukkah. December the 19th of 2022. And yes, I'm one of those weirdos who puts up uh, all kinds of Christmas decorations because I see Jesus everywhere. But I also love to put up a little oil Hanukkah. That's the one that has the, the extra candle in it for lighting the other candles. Which, by the way, is interesting because you can look at it in two different ways. You can say, hey, that has nine, you know, that Hanukkah has nine branches on it, and that's not a true menorah, which I have, I have both of, but I'm just saying the Hanukkah is the one that you typically will light during the Festival of Lights. So you can say, wow, it has nine, and nine is the, you know, it's the, it's the number of the devil because, you know, Satan had nine gemstones in his ephod. Or you can look at it through pure, holy eyes and realize that that one candle, you know what they call it? The one that's used to light all the others? It's known as the helper. Who's the Holy Spirit? And it lights all of the other eight so that they shine like a basket over them, but they shine and burn bright together, ever increasing as the days draw closer to the end of the period of the Festival of Lights. So interesting it is that that helper candle lights the other light, progressively getting brighter and brighter up until what point in time? Well, the symbolic birth of Jesus. Imagine that. That's just one of those amazing um, symbolic. Uh, it's like it's like the the uh, blood being placed over the doors of the Israelites just prior to the three days of darkness, and how they put it one on the top of the door, the left side of the door, and the right side of the door, forming a cross thousands of years before Jesus came. And there was light only in those dwelling places, supernatural glory light. It wasn't light from... It was That was the three days of darkness. This was a darkness that was tangible. You could practically cut it and eat it like a cake was so thick. Okay, and then the only places that had light, real light, was glory light. The glory that came 
from simply putting the blood of the Lamb and the shape of a cross over the doorway. To the pure, all things are pure. Titus 1.15 And that's a beautiful, beautiful place to come to. I had someone email me one time. I, I don't know if it was a conversation over a messenger or a phone call, perhaps. It was a long time ago. They were a pastor, actually. And they, uh, they were asking me, you know, about, you, know, I, you know, all that stuff that flies around at Christmas time about the Christmas tree being such a bad thing and the lights and blah, 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 blah. And I said to them, have you ever considered that the, our Heavenly Father is known as the Father of Lights? There's always two sides to every story, isn't there? There's the holy and righteous one. Now, there are some things that Satan and his minions of darkness do that are so repulsive and utterly contemptible and condemnable that they will burn in Gehenna, the lake of fire, in perpetuity. And those things we don't even need to talk about. Because to the pure, all things are pure. Indeed, there are convolutions from the devil that are so sinister and evil that we want nothing to do with them. We rebuke them. We don't even need to see them or hear them. We need to be aware of our enemy and what he is capable of. And we need to fight against it spiritually. Depending on what your calling is and what you've decided to do for the Lord, that's fine. Praise God. But for the most thing, for the most things in the in the earth, many of the practices that are being that that some folks accuse of being evil during this time of the year are not at all. It's just because they have a mindset that is focused on the convolution, the twisting, the satanic Bending of the event. Uh, you could you could apply that to virtually every single Christian holiday. There's a satanic version of it, and there's the holy, righteous, pure-hearted version of it. When you see Jesus everywhere, because He is everywhere, that's the place you want to be. You want to recognize that our Father is the Father of light. I wondered to myself for years, why is it that the, essentially the entire human race, why is it that we look, we love twinkling lights? Whether we're looking up into the sky at the you know, the atmosphere of the earth moving past the stars and causing them to give the appearance of a twinkling Christmas tree? Or whether we're looking at the lights that we've put on our own or even on our homes. Or we go to a, some sort of a festival where they hang the lights on boats or uh, some sort of a show where there's a show of lights and wherever we look. There's something inside of us that we love it. We love to see the lights because they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Just like our Father. 
the Father of lights. Our Father of lights. That's what I told that pastor. And he said, wow, what a way to look at it. I said, right, because Jesus is everywhere. And Satan doesn't have any original ideas because all of creation was already designed. All of the things were already, everything that needed to be designed, everything that needed to be created, everything that needed to fill the will of God, everything that needed to fulfill the prophecies. Are we the only planet in this entire creation that is going through the things that we're going through? Our tiny little minds would like to believe that. Mine doesn't. I don't believe it. I don't understand, you know, I, I could be wrong, but I, I just can't accept that. I believe that there, there's other universes. There may have even been other rebellions. God going to create a new heavens and a new earth. What's the point in destroying it in the first place? What, why bother? Why does it say in Ecclesiastes 1.9 that, that everything is cyclical? And it repeats itself over and over again. Why does Genesis 2 verse 7, uh, no, 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 2, 4 say, and these are the generations of the heavens and the earth, and the Lord God Yahweh Elohim created the heavens and the earth. By the way, that's the first time in the Bible that you hear the very mentioning of our Heavenly Father. The Elohim in Genesis 1 are not our Heavenly Father. They're not the Holy Spirit. They're none of that. Those were creator gods. Creator gods are sent throughout the universes to create in plants and trees and to populate life on earth, various planets, but they do it all through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, just like a divine healer when he says, rise up and walk. That's the power of Jesus. And that's how our Heavenly Father runs the universes. Imagine being part of the decision makers. Imagine being part of those who are royal priests and kings over creation. That's ultimately who we are. And for us to endure the days that we have ahead, we have to be brought to that place of total surrender total trust. And then we'll have that peace that passes all understanding. I wish that Philippians 4, 6, and 7 added one more word. <laughs> you know, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through pray, prayer and thanksgiving, let your uh, requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passed all, passes all understanding, will be on your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I wish it just added one more word. I wish it said, be anxious and worry about not a thing, but in all things through prayer, supplication, praise, and total surrender and trust to God. Let your needs be made known to God, and then the peace of God that passes all understanding. See, that that one little last piece, I think, would have really pulled it together. But that's okay. We got it. We got this, and God got this. God has this. God has your problems. He's got my problems. But believe you me, it does not mean we stop praying. If you stop praying, 
And don't be surprised which direction your journey is going to take. It's going to be a whole lot more bumpy, a whole lot more bumpy than it had to be. Praise God for our fiery trials and tribulations. Praise God for ripping out of our hands those little comfortable things in our lives, knowing that we could lose them. In a, you know, when you get to that place where you know you can lose it in, an, in a microsecond, nanosecond, that, that your neighbor's house might have a buried propane tank, you know, and it just blows up and catches your house on fire, and then you're running out in the street in your underpants. You know, it, it's life is so fragile. Forget this stuff. Go on the journey with Jesus. Trust God and have peace. God has this. As long as you seek him with all of your heart. Praise his holy name. We thank you, Jesus. And tonight, together, we light the Sabbath candles, if we want to. Or we can call them the Shabbat candles. If we want to, we can do two, we can do three, we can do 50 if we want. Because Romans 14 makes it clear that what we do when we do it for God blesses him. There's no one day that's above another. We praise you, Jesus, for the revelations and the mysteries of the Bible that we all need to understand and embrace to be able to endure the days that we are in now and the days that we have ahead. Tonight, I like three. One for the Father. You've got to remember to order some more of these uh, long-burning tea, tea candles, tea lights. Praise you, Jesus. One for the Son and one for the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The time now is 8.06 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great, which will burn in one hour, long after we're gone. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, the Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu Vishabat kod shobeya vauv ratzon inchilanu zikaron lemate vereshit. Ki hu yom techila lemikra e kodesh zechelitziat Mitzrayim Kivanu vacharta Veotanu kidashta Mikol hamim Veshabat kodshecha Be'ava uvratzon himchaltanu. Baruch atah Adonai mekadesh 
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I don't think we're going to follow the normal <laughs> the normal progression of things that we normally do on this particular prayer vigil. But but praise God, we can be in his presence and pray. And we, and we definitely will be using spiritual warfare, uh, of course, and having communion and stuff. And uh, praying for the people, the lost people of the world. It's important. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I do want to share this with you, though. There are a lot of people that are going through some pretty horrible things. Now, one of the blessings, but also one of the challenges associated with doing the work that I am doing, and I'm not saying I'm the only one because that would be absolutely untrue, but it's a blessing and a challenge, especially if you're an emotional sponge like I am, because you absorb the other person's anguish. And then your cup runneth over and it can affect you. This is one of the reasons why nurse in the nursing profession you find a lot of hardened heart people because they go into it you know they want to help people so they go into that profession a lot of times you know hopefully that's the driving force behind it and not money you know but here's the thing once you know once you get into that profession you're seeing a lot of people die these are people a lot of times that you have a relationship with that you're, you've become friends of, you've seen their family, you've 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 given them hugs, you know you're you're a part of that, and then they die, and then they die again. You see the anguish, you see the pain, you see the morphine drips, you see the endless, and you wonder to yourself, how could this be? How can this be so horrible? And the only way you're able to even get up and go to work again and do more patient care is because you harden your heart allow those emotions to affect you. You have to keep on doing your job. You've got to count the pills properly. You've got to follow the instructions or somebody else is going to die. And you come to this place where essentially your heart is hardened. It's a protective mechanism. Well, in Christ, we don't want to have that protective mechanism. We, we want to be able to steer that emotional overflow into a place of praise and worship whereby we're able to overcome it and the negativity associated with it so that we're able to continue to perform with the light of Jesus even amidst the darkness of the situation at hand so that we can set an example of hope for those who have none. That's a hard thing to do. Praise God. But for those of you who are currently you know, if you're going through a horrible time right now, there is a high level of likelihood that it has nothing to do with chastening. Unless you know, if you if you examine yourself and you know your Bible pretty good, and you know about Galatians 5.19, and, and you know about what it says in you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and stuff about certain behaviors and all that kind of stuff, and the, and the behaviors that are, the sinful behaviors that are called out in Colossians chapter 3, etc., when you have that collection in your hands, when you're aware of what Jesus said as well, you know, you have heard it said this, that, and the other thing that you could do that. Well, I say you can no longer do that. You know, when you understand all of our new commandments and the things that we're supposed to be practicing in our daily walk and the feelings that we're supposed to be avoiding and repenting of continuously, and I, what I mean is you confess, Father, I just said a bad word again, please, in the name of Jesus, I command through the power of the Holy Spirit that my mind is refreshed, that all those words are removed from my voice center of my mind, I pray for a supernatural and divine washing 
away of all those words. I'm sorry. I, I, please forgive me, Father. But it's continuous. It's totally continuous. It's all throughout the day. It's continuous. That's where we have to be. It, it grieves my heart to know Christians that have certain parts of their walk so they're so perfectly executed. They, they, God's got you know they're they're the types they can go through any kind of bad time, lose their you know the lives of their children, have them die in front of them, have their husbands die of you know pancreatic cancer or whatever, right in front of them, ha- having to take care of them with you know even you know in home care and morphine drips and all that kind of stuff, going through all that hell, having to take over all the finances and figure everything out. And they're and they learn to say God's got this. They know and they say it over and over again. And they're still smiling and they're still happy in Jesus. But then you know something about their personality that is iniquity. That actually happened with me and my sister. And I let her t- tell me her little story, you know, because she she somehow fancies this notion that the more guns they have up in Pennsylvania, the more safe they'll be. Even though she knows about the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of prayer, she seems to have this iniquity in her heart that makes her think that it's okay to use a gun. And so she 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 you know so she started to tell me a joke, and she said about you know. Um, she said there was this little old lady that got pulled over by a police officer, and uh, you know she 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 told the police officer that she had this sort of gun in the in the in the uh, center console, and the police officer said thank you very much, thank you for showing it to me, uh, you, you know you have all your permits, good for you. She said well I need to tell you tell you another thing, I got this other gun, it was much bigger caliber inside the uh, glove box. And the police officer said, thank you, ma'am. Uh, you know, she was an elderly lady. Thank you, ma'am, uh, for showing me that 45 that's sitting in your glove box. Um, yes, that is compliant with the law. I appreciate that you did that. And she said, oh, I'm not done. She goes back and opens up the trunk and shows them these uh, double-barreled 12-gauge shotguns. And she says, uh, I also have these here in the trunk and everything. And he said, well, that's great. Uh, you know, it's okay. You can do that. Um, you know, um, and I think I think she said, uh, you know, oh, <laughs> so the police officer says to this old lady after she shows them all of her guns, the police officer says, ma'am, what is it that you're afraid of? And the little old lady says, absolutely nothing. <laughs> now, from an earthly set of eyes, that's kind of funny. And my response to, now, and I went ahead and chuckled along because it was kind of a funny joke when you look, you know, and all that kind of thing. But um, I, you know, I said to her, you know, you know, Marilyn, the thing that's interesting though is that through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we don't really even need any of that stuff. We can stop anything with the power of Christ. And you know something? She got real quiet. That was the first time in a decade that she responded that way. When she gets quiet, by the way, she's a chatterbox. When she gets quiet, that's a huge sign. That means that that mustard seed you just planted has already sprouted. 
When I pray for people who I know have the, that have the iniquity in their heart, thinking it's iniquity because iniquity is this belief system that you have inside of you that causes multiple sins to sprout out from it, to, to no pun intended, to shoot out from it. So anytime that you have, you know, for example, if you think homosexuality is okay, okay, if, if somebody has twisted some words in the Bible or whatever and convinced you that it's okay, got, you know, to behave that way and still be part of the body of Christ and, and make it to heaven, that's iniquity. That is iniquity because that is a belief system. It's a corrupted belief system that will cause you to, to sin over and over again by committing sodomy or some other thing. But the point is, same thing with the guns. If you believe that it's okay to kill somebody with guns, that is iniquity. The sin occurs when you pull the trigger. took me a long time before the Lord was able to reveal and clear that up for me because I was always wondering about it. And there's a lot of people that write things up on, on websites and there's commentaries and Barnes commentaries and whatever out there, you know, if you have them. But they're all wrong. <laughs> they are. And it's fascinating when the Lord actually quickens that to you and you say, oh, I get it now. I get it. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. One thing leads to another, right? Amen. So anyway, for those of you who are going through really, really hard times, this show is for you. <laughs> I hate to call it a show. But, I mean, considering that I'm sitting in a totally dark room right now, thank goodness for the air conditioning. Hallelujah. It always <laughs> – but um, – well, not totally dark. I mean, I got the computer screens in front and, of course, three three lit candles. Really, really pretty. I got these from a place called uh, JudaicaWebStore.com. JudaicaWebStore.com. I don't know if they still have them. You'd have to look around a lot because they have a lot of merchandise. And, it, yes, it does take forever for it to arrive from Israel. But I, but, but I like it, but it's made in Israel. But they have these candle holders that are – see, when 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 I will say one thing about – Everything that I've ever bought from Israel is the quality is fantastic. Okay, so you know like if you buy something that's silver plated, you know, you know it's not solid silver else it costs thousands of dollars, right? You know it's silver plated, but if you buy it from, you know, Walmart and it comes in from like Wuxi, China or whatever, the plating's going to wear off. It's going to tarnish and all kinds of it there'll be negative it's not quality. But when you buy it from Judaica Web Store, if you're interested in that, I'll watch out because they have Chabad stuff. And, of course, there's people that are highly judgmental, and they will say, well, if there's any of that weird Kabbalah weirdness there, I don't want to ever go there. Well, you know, I don't even worry about any of that stuff. I don't it, – it's irrelevant to me. I see Jesus everywhere. And I don't, I don't have to look at the, the dark stuff. I can just look at the Jesus stuff. And they had these beautiful candles. They had, they had small round versions of them that held tea lights, and then they had the taller ones that, you know, and it's, and it's, it's Jerusalem. It, they're carved. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it shows like in, in, Jerusalem all over it. It's got Jerusalem around the base. It's got Jerusalem in the middle, and it's got Jerusalem in the top where you put the teacup or the tea candle, tea light. They call them whatever. I, I have, like I said, I have to get some more because you need the. I, I need. I need the seven-hour burn, the really thick ones and tall ones. Those, otherwise, I'd be changing candles for every prayer vigil. I think it's really expensive over time. You know, praise God. But anyway, um, 
I don't know. I was just looking at them, and they're absolutely gorgeous. And and they don't tarnish. And you wipe them down once in a while, and oh my gosh, they're just they just uh, it's, it's great. I just uh, I hope that if you do decide to go to Judaica Web Store, they make a great gift, by the way. Look, who am I? Am I like you know Monty Hall or something tonight? Praise God. That's I just wanted to share that with you. That's all. Judaica Web Store. That's wonderful. I love them. And no, they're not giving me some. This isn't some you know, brought to you by Judea. Praise Jesus. It has nothing to do with that. I'm just sharing that. All right. Now, back to our fiery trials. I guess I'm uniquely qualified because of what I do and because of the thousands of people that listen to the program. And I know that most of you do not communicate with me. And I will say once again that my my email is jbaptist777 at gmail.com. That is a nom de plume. That is not my real name. If I used my real name, I would not be able to work because my profession would not allow it. Imagine a person who was a relatively public figure working in a uh, major law firm, you know, wherever, Okay, that has a reputation to to hold, a reputation of trust. Okay, and you know, no, you can't do the both. You can't because they'll fire you. They'll fire you. So when when I originally thought, well, my first name is John, so why don't I just call myself Johnny Baptist? You know, I was looking for a pen name, a pen name, a name to operate uh, to, to 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 operate the website with back in 2009. And back then I was in fear for my life. I was actually looking at rapid fire shotguns and thinking about stocking up on, because I knew what was coming. But I, but I had to regrow in my Christianity. I had to relearn everything from scratch. And I cried out to God and he told me, dump it, dump everything that you've learned over the last 40 years, get rid of it. I'll reteach you everything. And boy, was that a journey. And it was, and the last five years have been just awful. But every time the Lord's come through, somehow, and there may be times when I think that the Lord let me down. I don't think so. But there'll be a side of me that might think, for you know, just like Jesus on the cross, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, well, I think we all periodically or could go through those, I think we'll have those moments. It's possible. It's likely, actually, because we can't, you know, even Jesus wasn't able to break through, break free from the flesh for that moment of time when he said that. Okay, so, you know, he was incarnated into a human body. And yes, he did have certain advantages naturally because he was God in the flesh. But nevertheless, that flesh at times, very infrequently, bubbled up and hit the top of his, you know, thermometer of humanness and Godheadness. And, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he was suffering so. Will we, you know, will we, you know, when a, this, in the Proverbs it says, uh, when, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin... His heart rages against the Lord. Now, I don't think that any of our hearts would ever rage against the Lord, but we might have moments where we think that we must have done something wrong, that we opened up a door for Satan. That's bunk. 
I mean, it can be true if you are doing that and you're not constantly, if you don't, if you're not familiar with at least what Jesus warned us not to do, that are sins, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, what was uh, written in, in first, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Colossians 3 and in Galatians 5.19. If, if you are not at least intimately familiar and have heavily memorized all of those behaviors that we are to avoid, and you put that into real-world daily practice continuously throughout every moment that you're awake, Confessing when you dorked up and thought of something you shouldn't have thought of. Being sorry, godly sorrow, because you love your father and you don't want to dork up and you want to please him. And changing your mind and doing everything you can not to do it again. Getting better. Maybe you're not going to be perfect, but you want to always try to be better, 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 better. And if you keep on trying to be better, just like a a figure skater, you're going to get better. You will get better. It may, it's not going to happen overnight. It never does. Sometimes it takes years. But you want to be on that journey, and your heart needs to be in the right place. And all these things need to be continuous practices every single day. I don't think God expects us to be perfect. He knows that we are from dust. It says that in Psalm uh, 1. one, one uh, wow, I can't believe. Uh, I think it's, uh, oh, man. Um, hold on a second. Let me pull this up. I'm, now that I got myself in a corner here. Hold on. Oh, it's Psalm. I think it's, that's not Psalm 111. Okay, hold on a second. I'll find it in a second. Let me see if this works. I don't know if Boolean searches work um, in uh, nose. Hold on. Thank you, Jesus. I got. I got to get the search right. All right, there we go. Praise God. Huh. Okay. So I should. I should. Okay. I, I can't use my olive tree because it's totally failing me. Hold on a second. High, I got it all reminded. As high as the heavens are above the earth. Okay, here we go. No, yeah, sure enough, it's Psalm 103, verse 11. Look at that. So I was, I got the 11 part right. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward us. Okay, and I, I prefer since I have the scripture. Oh, see, I've locked up my. Uh, I made my. Uh, bu- I made my olive tree Bible study. I tried to do a Boolean search inside of Olive Tree's Bible study application, but uh, let's just uh, settle this right now. It's not going to work. <laughs> okay. And my PC study Bible, ever since I got forced onto um, Windows 11, hasn't been working very well, which upsets me greatly. Uh, but anyway, um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, okay, I can go to this one. What I want is the New King James. I don't want the NRV. I don't want the ESV. I want the New King James. There it is. Hold on a second. Is that it? No, that's the King James. I don't want that. Where's the New King James? There it is. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is our Father's mercy towards those who fear him. And that ain't reverency. That's fearing hellfire. Okay, let's just make that straight. These folks out there that twist the word fear to mean reverence. And I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> it's fearing being cast into hell. 
All right. And again, because Jesus even said, fear him who has the ability to cast body and soul into hell. It's not complicated, but people want to change it. They're like, well, you know, how can you fear God and love him at the same time? Well, you got to be pretty much of a knucklehead not to be able to understand that concept. But there's a lot of knuckleheads out there standing behind pulpits, I'm sorry to say. Praise God. Father, have mercy on all of us. Forgive us all for our faults because there are so many. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is our Father's mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pitieth his children, the Lord God pities those who fear him. Because he knows that we are from the dust. All right, praise God. All right, and uh, you know, and I, I left out a little piece of that, um, but that's okay. I wanted to bring up the point that our, our, our father knows we're imperfect. It's important to to embrace that. Otherwise, yourself into a blame game and you'll be like, you'll never feel worthy. But it will never be you that was worthy. That's the key. It's never going to be you. It's not you. It's your hunger to please God because you love him with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. Can you imagine what that means? Jesus being your first love, not caring about anything's on this earth. If you love father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love son or daughter, if you love your baby more than Jesus, you're not worthy of him. Whoa. Wow. You know how few moms out there can deal with that one? Let me tell you something. Very few. I've had conversations with female pastors. <laughs> I'm like, yep, that applies to you. And they're like, no, I don't think. I'm like, you know, and once again, it's the whole knucklehead thing. People don't want to understand it. We got to love Jesus. Jesus keeps your kids alive. Jesus, we just don't train our children properly. We don't, we don't understand how the kingdom ought to work because we're in the end of the end of the end of the end of time. It's the... We don't have any effort of cloisters groups that we can join. And even, even if we join the Mennonites or we join the Amish even today, they still have their own faults. There's nothing, there's no perfect, they're, they're far better off than most of the churches in the world. But nevertheless, it's our desire to seek God. <sighs> Praise God. So I'm going to watch this. You know, what I got to do is I, I think what I got to start, start doing it as soon as I log into my computer i got to open my PC study Bible up really fast, right in the beginning, and it'll probably work okay. Um, anyway, yeah, see, it says it's not responding. I just hate that. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, well. Oh, well. Anyway, thank you, Lord, that I wrote so many scriptures down, and I've, oh, I've got them all. I've got three by five. Thank you, Jesus, for, what is this, 100 laminated three by five cards? Hallelujah. That the scripture says, you know, you know, write write the word of God in your heart so that you would not sin against him. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, I wanted to share this with you because of the fiery trials. Again, remember, chasing is for the purpose of, hey, you're doing something wrong and you're doing it pretty regularly. Regularly. So God will chasten you, cause some will allow something really bad to happen to you. For example, one of my chastenings were 
my wife being taken on a gurney out of my house because of some very bad behaviors that were happening when I was absolutely gushing in sin many, 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 many years ago. That was a type of chastening because it put me through absolute hell on earth, but that chastening caused me to run to God. See, it's that action-reaction, negative event, positive reaction. That's chastening. Um, Refiner's fire is different. It's a higher level of training whereby we are going through things that are unthinkably horrible, but the net end result is that you utterly surrender. That you utterly surrender. And then when you utterly surrender and you totally trust God because you have no other place to turn, no other option, no rich grandmother that you can give a call to, that's a wonderful place to be. Because that's where you're going to see, A, God work in your life as long as you keep on praising. Don't be grumbly. Praise is the key. Praise is powerful. Praise is really powerful. I mean, come on. Jericho, Paul and Silas, praising, singing songs, the earthquake, iron shackles breaking. Come on. Praise is superpowers. It's like X-Men superpowers. We don't praise enough. We don't praise enough. And when we do, I think we do it sometimes out of fear and sadness and anxiety and everything else under the sun that's negative. And we don't want it. That, it's not, you can't do it that way. You can't. It doesn't work. The praise has got to be true. It's got to be coming from the bottom of your heart. It's got to be real. And then it's powerful. And things will change. Definitely do not expect them to change right away. You're going to go through the whole test. You're going to go through the whole fiery trial. But just remember, the fiery trials are the advanced class. Chastening is for the sophomores and the freshmen. Refiner's fire are for the grad students. Get it? I hope you do. And I know it is a paradox because from earthly eyes to be able to look at what you're going through, it's very, very tempting to think that you're a victim of Satan when in reality you are blessed by the creator of creation. Can you imagine trillions of life forms? You can't, we can't really. I remember I told my sister, my other sister, Paula, last night on the phone, I said to her, do you know that it takes a human 34 years to count to 1 billion? She was just blown away by that. She was like, really? And I'm like, yep. She had sent out an email to all of her friends. She has one of those, like so many do, big collections of people's emails that she's collected over the years. And that's part of her, what she does. And a lot of people do that. And uh, she had sent one out that was talking about, the, it had the word rapture and alien in the same line. And I was like, okay, whatever this is, it's going to be dorked up and incorrect, I, of course. And so what, you know, uh, I thought to myself, well, if she's really interested in that subject, I ought to give her a call. So I, I did. I gave her a call. And um, I said, do you want to know what's really going to happen with that rapture and the aliens? And she said, 
she goes, oh, yeah, I, how do you? And I'm like, you know, because, you know, you can't be a prophet in your own city. And if, if you're the little brother of, you know, sisters that are 20 years older than you, then, you know, their their default reaction is typically like, how would you know kind of thing. Now, my sister Paula is very much she's she sees she has noticed over the years that everything that I have told her has come true every time that I've, you know, I've, I've you know, and she's learning and that's great. But I sent her all the uh, information about Pastor Sori Park, about um, because, oh, and I take it back. It was actually the email that she sent had three words, and it had alien, rapture, and the word NASA. And I, that was a trigger for me, and I said, aha, i got to call her. Because that, the, those three words explain the barley harvest and the events that are going to surround the barley harvest. Praise God. And that's important to know. Otherwise, you might be in the, in the group of believers who freak out. You don't want to be in that group. You want to be like the most excited person on the earth. When you see that big, giant, Death Star, brass-colored, you know, fallen angel spaceship show up in all the TVs and in the air, man, I'll tell you what, if you are not putting on your Depends and, you know, going to the grocery store for beanie weenies or whatever, or ramen noodles, because let me tell you something, folks, that if that event isn't the happiest day of your life, then you don't get it. You don't get it. And all the people that will be left behind, only the people who are going hear the trumpet. And this thing that people do, well, if it's not in the Bible, then I don't believe it. Well, I'm sorry for you because you're never going to learn squiddily. I'm sorry for you. But if that's where your comfort zone is, good for you. There with your little comfort zone. You're not going to – it doesn't mean you're going to miss the rapture or anything like that, but you might be knocked off your game. You might have a moment of doubt, and if you do, you're not leaving. You're staying. Just read James 1, 5, and 6. Now, especially six. But anyway, um, uh, so I gave her all that stuff, and she was really, really glad that I did. Completely received it all, actually asked for more more and more information, and I gave her uh, David Doetry's vision, vision. I gave her Pastor Sori Park's vision from Korea, uh, South Korea. Um, I gave her photographs of the um, brass statues, for lack of a better term, sculptures that are in front of the United Nations, the Vatican, and a whole bunch of other places, usually associated with... um, It's fascinating because when you figure out where the various sculptures of this uh, alien, spherical-shaped, very, very large, Death Star-like mothership, they're always brass in color. They they seem to be always located outside of uh, buildings that, if you do a little bit of homework on it, are linked to the devil. Let's just leave it at that. Anybody, I don't think anybody would think that the Vatican isn't linked to the devil. I don't think anybody would think that the United Nations isn't linked to the devil, right? So, and wouldn't you know, the two biggest sculptures are located in those two places. What a surprise, right? But anyway, um, for those of us who are going through ugly, now, now there's a lot of forms of ugly. My, unfortunately, my uh, blessing and challenge when you do a program like this and you know you give out your email jbaptist777 at gmail.com you tell people hey 
feel free to reach out to me, you know, but I do need you to introduce yourself and say, you know, and just because I have, it happens all the time, you know, people are like timid. They don't want to, oh, he, you're so busy. I know you're so busy. I don't want to bother you. No, no, please don't think like that. Feel free to email me anytime. I, I, it might take me a little while, you know, a couple of days to get back to you, but I, doubtful because I have sleepless nights and I'll wake up at two o'clock in the morning and I'll start start responding to emails and stuff. But anyway, it's it's an open door. Praise Jesus. I love it. It's the most favorite part of my whole life. It's when I'm standing on holy ground that I can help a, a bro, fellow brother and sister, whatever the question may be. And you don't have to agree with everything that I think, but you're you're welcome to ask me. Just you know, and and you know what's fascinating is time has gone by. The really snarky people have kind of gone away because, well, it's simple. Because back in 2010, 2000, well, actually starting in 2011, when the stuff that I was talking about was so far out to any person who would call themselves a Christian that I got a lot of beatings from people who called themselves Christians, which, of course, that was an unchristianly thing to do. It was an antichrist thing to do. It was an exceedingly sinful thing for them to do. But, you know, hey, welcome to Christianity, right? And I had to block hundreds and hundreds of people because they would just lambast me and I couldn't take it. It was very hurtful and hurt my feelings. And then, of course, that would affect me in a negative way. And so I just said, listen, you know, just like closing the door when somebody's yelling at you, you know, it's, that's what I had to do. I had to block them. Well, that hasn't been happening in the last five years. And the reason for that is because people are awake and aware that the things that I was talking about for the first five years of this radio ministry were right. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, people do wake up. It just takes them a little bit of time. Sometimes they will never wake up because they just are just that type of a personality. If it's not in the Bible, it can't be true. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can give you a, dozens of scriptures that prove that what you just said is false. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, it's good to know that when you are going through because chastening is, in my opinion, at least in my own personal experience, chastening, because I'm pretty receptive to the Lord, and I'm always looking for the Lord in my life. I'm always looking for that road sign, that street sign, that billboard, that strange phone call, that impossible coincidence, though that that word that somebody said. Oh, my gosh. I it, It's like my spirit just goes, ah, I can feel it, and I know it's the Lord talking to me. And it'll be sometimes it's the, the doggondest person you would never imagine. I mean, a donkey can speak for God. So anyway, um, I wanted to share this with you because because of what I do, I hear things from lots of people. Like, for example, I don't have to hang out on, so, uh, on so-and-so's website and read their posts, their alerts every day. It's irrelevant to me. If God wants me to hear something, he'll bring it to me. He'll, he'll literally bring it to me and set it right on my lap. I don't need to go out on YouTube and scan around for somebody and hope that somebody has is going to tell me that we're going to leave on the on the rapture on December the 14th or whatever. Whatever, you know, messed up I I don't I don't want to accuse them of hearing from the devil. I'm not going to, I actually I think the teaching that we have done historically, which is uh combat in the spiritual realm, the very end of that makes it very clear how easy it is for a perfectly good Christian to 
incorrectly say things. They can love Jesus with all of their heart. They can have tears, and they can be very praiseful, and they have a genuine walk with the Lord, and they are true Christians. But the problem is, as as we quickly and bless, full of blessings discovered in the teaching of you know combat in the spiritual realm, how Satan stops our prayers at the very end, it makes it very clear that what happens is when these people don't know how to pray through and to get their prayers ignited with the holy fire of God and they don't break through and they have beliefs in their heart or things that they think it could be anything of it could be dozens of things that could cause them to not be where they ought to be when that occurs your angel you know you're praying for things and that and that and when that angel has when your angel that is trying to bring you the answer to your prayers okay has the, it comes in a form of like a gift the angel is actually holding it in their hands as they're moving through the spiritual realm uh, so that it is made manifest in this hologram it's powerful and this, the demonic beings you know like the king of persia or whatever and daniel uh uh, 10 or 9 and 10, um, uh, 11, you know, yeah, it's 10, I think. But anyway, you know, with the 21-day fast, but the um, king, it's like it, they're second-order demons, principalities, powers, spiritual hosts, wickedness, and rulers of darkness and high places, all that kind of stuff. Okay, those entities are second-order, and they, they're the ones, along with demons and astral-projecting humans that are serving Satan, stop our prayers. Well, anyway, if the person who's praying doesn't understand how important it is for them to pray through, and they have less than adequate prayer lives. And they and if they're not speaking in tongues, that's the one thing that bypasses that. Tongues can't be stopped by the demons. By totally goes straight into the throne room. That's like the other day I just prayed in tongues for like, oh my gosh, it was a long time, as well, like almost 30 minutes. But anyway, um, the um, it's it's very important that, to understand the very end of that, which was if the demons are you know if the second order demons, the principalities, power, spiritual hosts, wickedness, princes of Persia, whatever you want to call them, if they are successful in restraining your angel and they take that gift, that power gift, I imagine it's probably a glorified gift that lights up very bright with the glory of God, uh, and then of course when it moves into this hologram, it becomes an answer a spiritual answer to your prayers. Well, if it if that angel is detained because your prayer life isn't exactly isn't it may not they could be the best Christians in the whole wide world but they've never learned. No one ever taught them that they need to submerse and pray through. And maybe they don't have the, maybe they have the baptism of the Holy Spirit but they don't know how to speak in tongues. Or they have or they didn't know that they had the gift of tongues. It just never made manifest. No one ever helped them understand how to do it. You know, it, it, there's. So what happens is, you know, if they don't understand those things, and their angel has that gift, the, an, the answer to the prayer, that, and it's bringing it to them, and it stopped. That angel is detained, and the uh, you know principalities get a hold of that. They can take it and cash it in. They can take that answer to the prayer. Imagine it as a glowing, glorified gift that the angel is carrying. And they detain the angel, they hold him back, they rip your answer to the prayer out of the hands of your angel, and then they can take the answer to your prayer, and they can use it as their power against you. So that means that a lot of these 
people that truly love the Lord with all of their heart on YouTube and such are deceived because the, the, these these seducing spirits, well, seducing spirits can be sent by God, but they can also be principalities and, and demonic entities as well. Uh, you know, demonic, we'll just call them demonic spirits to be a little bit more clear. But the point is they can now... It, it, as Paul said, even even Satan himself changes himself into an angel of light. So that what they do is they they masquerade their their familiar spirits and they show up and these people think they're hearing from God and then they go on YouTube and they have tears coming down their eyes because they're so blessed because God has given them a revelation and the and the rapture is going to happen in 14 days. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. And you and you need to go to your bank account and take all of your retirement money and cash out your 401k and give it to every you know give it to you know. Uh, uh, you know, Pipes International or whatever, and um, no, they're not hearing from God at all. The problem is I didn't understand those things until the Lord revealed it's incremental. If you're not constantly seeking God with all of your heart over years of time, flushing the toilet of your understanding, continuously flushing it out and renewing it with with new information from God, from the throne room, if that is not a continuous part of your walk, then you're going to get stuck. And wherever you're going to get stuck, you're going to be vulnerable. This is a very precarious, dangerous time to be a Christian on this earth. Just like Jesus said, there are going to be false prophets everywhere. I like to say, you know, I like to translate into Johnny Baptistese um, what Jesus said. You know, they're basically going to say, here's a Jesus, there's a Jesus, everywhere's a Jesus, Jesus. But it ain't going to be me. Well, who would be who would be doing that? Would it be would it be shape shifting reptilians that are saying here? They won't even say the name of Jesus, so you know they're not the, the ones that are doing it. The ones that are going to be doing it are going to be Christians who are deceived, and boy, are there a lot of them. I mean, there's so many of them, and it's not that they're bad Christians; they just don't understand what happens in the spiritual realm. They don't understand how they have to pray. They, they, and, and it doesn't mean that they don't it, – it, 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 so we've got to be so very careful. And I didn't understand those things in the first five years of doing a radio show. And the Lord incrementally gave me a little bit more information, a little bit more information, a little bit more information, because I wasn't ready for it. I was not ever ready for the next increment. If God had not given me – if God didn't teach me algebra and algebraic order of uh, you know uh, uh, you know uh, equations and and all that and you you can't go on the geometry class you can't go on the trigonometry and a darn sure ain't going to do any calculus so God has to give you this foundation and then He has to build on that and then and if you don't if you stop accepting if you say bunk there's no way we pre-existed that's a Mormon belief well that's what Satan wants you to believe yes there's a lot of there's gazillions of things wrong with Mormonism I totally understand that but that doesn't mean that Satan will not hide a powerful truth that is enabling us inside of a place inside of a group that are heavily deceived by some knucklehead called Joseph Smith. Okay, that wrote his own demonic version of whatever. You know, that's beside the point. Okay, God, Satan is smart enough to hide tidbits of our true uh, origins and our destiny in places where our flesh will say, oh, no, that can't be true. That's a Mormon belief. Well, that's exactly what Satan wants you to think. Guess what? 
Satan isn't stupid. (laughs) That's where you want to hide it. And it took me a long time to get past all that. And the Lord kept on having people call. It was just amazing. It was an amazing journey. The Lord would not let me. The same thing with the alien thing. It's like all the things that were important to know, all the things that, 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 that everybody thought I was such a nutbag for even talking about, God confirmed for me so many times over so many years, over so many impossible coincidences, impossible phone calls from well-known pastors, Pentecostal pastors, preachers from all over the world, calling me in at the doggondest of times. And it's like it was – and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is amazing. Constant confirmation after confirmation after confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. Praise God. So I don't have any doubt at all. And I think it's just such a blessing. And I want to share this with you because when you realize that when you understand that chastening is the lower level, that's where the freshmen, again, that's where the freshmen and the sophomores in their sanctification process, that's where they hang out. The freshmen and the sophomores, the, the essentially the beginners that are trying to break out or whatever, or they're doing something especially wrong or whatever the case is, God will chasten them. It's being taken behind the barn and having your butt spanked real hard and having something super bad happen to you so that God can thump you on the head and turn your direction in the right direction. Now, if you ignore him, you could end up in hell. This is all in the Bible. The next increment up higher is the refiner's fire. And what's fascinating to me is that, at least in my walk, I'm not saying other people's walk, but in my walk, the refiner's fireplace is way harder than the chastening. The chastening is like usually one really, really bad event that changes your direction and sends you right to the Lord. It ought to, and it better, or you're going to be in a hospital bed because God's going to bring you home one way or the other. And if he's got to let you get cancer and sit there and suffer for a long, long time because you weren't right with him, with tubes coming out of your body, he'll do it. But it's usually one big bad event or a couple of bad events wedged into your daily life that causes you to make a dramatic shift in your walk and your life and your behaviors. For example, if you drink way too much, God may allow you to get a DUI. That would be a type of chastening because now you're going to have to, if you're in the United States of Babylon the Great, you're going to be paying like $10,000 worth of fines, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. You know, it's, and it's just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you don't want to get a DUI in the United States of America. The point is, chasing, though, that's one event. Yeah, and it might take you two years to get the fines paid off. It might take you, you know, you'll finally get off the SR-22, and you're finally your life has been restored, and you can blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. But hopefully, God brought you to a place where you will no longer be doing that behavior. There's a major adjustment that brought you closer to where God's will is for your life and your behaviors. All right, that's chastening. Once you've gone past the point of needing slapped around and spanked behind the barn, that's a good place to be. But unfortunately... The refiner's fire is way worse, usually, impactful. It's When I say impactful, it's like what you go through in the refining fire is it, – it's the kind of st- – it's the get- – boy, it's, it's not just one big bad spanking behind the barn that goes away in a couple of years. It's, it's continuous. 
and it, and it, it and it's designed custom for you if you need to be taught something let's let's say that you're going through something really really awful and uh it's and, and let's just say it's because of your spouse and um i'm not you know again this isn't designed to pick on anybody but it's designed to set an example a good example um uh cuz cuz uh, somebody that is very dear to me is going through this right now and you're terrified you know you finally got over the hump you you know your husband is is no longer be doing those behaviors anymore but you're terrified that your husband's going to go back into those behaviors well right away if you're terrified that and very very worried and super depressed that your husband might go back into those same behaviors at that point what you have done is you have lost faith you're not praising God. You're not, you, you know, think about it in the courts of heaven. Satan, the accuser of the brethren, is going to be up there doing everything he can, and the demons of darkness are going to do everything they can. And if your attitude toward the throne is that I'm going to worry, I'm going to be depressed, I'm going to, you know, and, and you can't control that. That's not a good thing. But I'm this type of a personality, and I just can't help it. Oops. you got to overcome that. Because otherwise, you're opening doors for that behavior to return, gangbusters. If you truly cannot surrender and believe God with all of your heart and praise him and not let that drag you down, not let that those concerns bother you, because you have surrendered, true surrender to God, true trusting in God equals peace. And if you don't have peace, you're not where you need to be. And I'm preaching to myself. This is for me, but it's also for others. So you're going to go through, you are likely to. Now, you granted, you might still, maybe you don't think of yourself as a freshman or a sophomore in your walk. Maybe you think of yourself as a little bit more advanced. But you might actually be a sophomore and not realize it. Believe me, I know this because this was me. Okay, I, nothing that I ever preach or nothing that I ever say is for somebody else per se. It's stuff that I have gone through myself, and I've been through it all. I can't even imagine what else God could throw at me, but he'd find stuff. Believe me, he does. <laughs> okay, Because he's got to keep us there. He has to keep us there. We have to remain in love with him and totally dependent upon him and totally trusting him. Because that's the only way we get the protection. That's the only way the net end result of our walk is going to be what God needs it to be, for us to be part of the barley harvest, the first fruits, and the highest echelon of the ruling class of Jesus Christ. It's the ultimate reward. The ultimate that constant, when is this going to end? I can't believe I'm going through this right now. I just got done with this problem, and now I got this one for crying out loud. Well, guess what? <laughs> you know what? I just gave you a peek into my daily life. <laughs> and you know what? It says in Galatians 5.19, outbursts of anger are sins. So at the very moment I'm sitting there going, what the? I'm in sin. 
oh, but you should be allowed to have a little bit of frustration, right? Nope. Catch it quick. Stop it. Confess, Father, I am sorry. I lost my cool. I'm sorry. Please just help me, Father, to have the grace and the peace and the trust in you to walk through whatever it is I have to walk through. And I pray that this is the outcome. I pray that the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will control everything, that you will make good eyes blind, good ears deaf, that they will not see, and that your holy fire and the presence of angels on assignment will control all these things in my favor so I can glorify you, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When your heart is right and you love God, you always want all the everything that you pray for is ultimate. It just happens when you pray, when you love the Lord with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul, and when you love Jesus as your first love. When that is where you are in your walk, it, 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 everything that you pray for automatically is that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Examine it, analyze it. If you are praying for things that don't glorify God, ultimately, then you're not where you need to be yet. I can tell you that straight up. Because it will happen automatically. It will. <clears throat> now, remember this. When you're going through refiner's fire, that is like the A triple plus place to be. That is the advanced class. That is the super duper advanced class. You are now a contender to be part of the first fruits barley harvest and the most senior ranking uh, 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 kings and priests in the kingdom for all of eternity. You're now in the contenders group. You've already passed all the preliminary stuff that you had to go through, and it's a wonderful place to be. Doesn't mean you're going to do a really great job. Does every single person who competes in the Olympics win? No. Some people get silver. Some people get gold. Some people get diddly. But the very fact that you even made it to the Olympics is an awesome thing. Praise Jesus. And we're all there. If you're going through the refiner's fire, which is much more horrible than chastening almost always, and it's continuous, it never lets you go. It's continuous. How do I know? Because I've been going through it since like, oh gosh, probably August of 2017. It started out really horrible. It lightened up a little bit. I shifted. I made major changes in how I prayed in using spiritual warfare tactics and stuff like that, which helped fantastically. But the problems and the trials and the tribulations and the threats for my job and the, the threats to get laid off and the and the impossible things that they ask of me that which normally stress me out. You know, I just took I just took I told my boss I would do this one job and he gave me today off. It's a nice thing to do. The job normally is something that would take no less than six weeks, even with a small company. They gave me two point seven to pull it off. Just because some, again, knucklehead did something that they shouldn't have done. But I'm pretty sure I can pull it off. So I'm just looking at it as a challenge. I told my boss, this is like, I said, this is like selling a candy factory to a three-year-old. And then telling you, then, then having them tell you that they want you to build the factory by the end of the day. <laughs> okay, with a, with a box of toothpicks. And that's exactly, and I'm just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. Praise God. But that, that was maybe, I don't know, maybe that was God working through me. Maybe that was like when the Holy Spirit quickened to me just before the show started that I had the wrong show song queued up, opening song. I don't know. 
But it was like my attitude shifted for some reason. I originally looked at it and I thought to myself, you got to be flopping kidding me. That's what I was thinking originally. And then I thought, eh, I'll just, I'm just going to do it. But anyway, it's part of that surrender thing. You know what I mean? I mean, there was no value in pushing back. They would have just given it to somebody else who would have done it, unfortunately. I don't mean this in a prideful way. I'm just saying that it's an area of my expertise and my boss knew it was. And he wants, he, you know, he recognizes that. He knows. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to share this with you. This is a um, prophecy. Hallelujah. This is a prophecy from... Now, I told you that um, I gave you a little bit of a story. I, you know, I, I still believe the seducing spirits are at work, but I have noticed, I've noticed a couple of things that are out of alignment. Some people that were doing a really good job prophesying for the Lord have gone off into hiding and all this other stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't care how anointed you were. You've made a big mistake by doing that. You're obviously not trusting God. Now, they will argue, well, I believe that the Lord quickened upon my heart that I'm supposed to go out and I'm supposed to be a place of refuge. That is the number one most popular thing for Christians to say when they go off into hiding, as if it's going to somehow protect them, because it's not. But anyway, and I'm not saying it's a, it's a, it's a bad thing. I mean, if you feel in your heart that that's what the Lord's – but I, I, have, I know people. I brought people on the radio show over 10 years ago that were, they said on the radio show that God told them to sell everything and go out and buy this land because they're supposed to set up a place of refuge. Well, about three years later, I found out they were going bankrupt. So I answer that one. You know, it's 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 a very difficult walk. But anyway, back to the refiner, back to the the blessing of being refined, even though it will probably take you on the most horrible journey of your life. Because God's got to use that method to get you to let go and just be doggone happy that he's merciful enough not to let you get some kind of a horrible disease where you got to lay in a bed and die slowly to get you to that point of surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Now, does it mean you might lose your house? Yes. Does it mean that you might have to get another job when you haven't been working for several years? Yes. Does it mean that you might have to go through some absolutely horrible things, maybe even be homeless for a while? Yes. Does it matter in the grand scheme of all of eternity? Not not one tiny little bit. Now, do I want to lose my house? Absolutely not. I've been here for 22 years, and I'm a nester. I, I'm artsy. I decorate. I hang things everywhere. I've run out of wall space. I'm not going to buy a bigger house to hang more. You know, it's not, I'm not going to do like the George Carlin stuff thing, but it's like, but it happens. You know, 22 years in a single house, and you're going to, you know, people give you gifts. You know, where do I put this? You know, that kind of stuff. So it gets very homey. It's all, it's, it's, it, it's, it, you know, you feel very homey, very homey. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to get kicked out on the streets. I don't want to, you know, I mean, granted, I, I, I see the financial logic in selling this place and buying a much smaller place 
cash cash out and owning it, not having any debt. But I mean, if I if I really got into a trouble with with there's other things I can do. But anyway, it's beside the point. The point is, I don't want to lose that, and I know that most people don't want to lose their home because it's a, it's a very tough place to be. And I know people that are very anointed by God. Absolutely some of the most anointed people, greatest teachers I've ever known in my life, absolutely gushing the Holy Spirit. And they don't have a home. They're living in other people's homes by the grace of God. There's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, I wouldn't mind doing that myself. There's nothing better than shedding all of this stuff and truly being set free from the earth. Now, granted, if you're in somebody else's property and you're living with them, you have to listen. You know, if they're fighting and they're, there's all kinds of strife and, you know, people coming over to visit at strange hours of the night and you've got a bedroom in the back end of the house and you've got to listen to that stuff when you're trying to pray, well, yeah, it's going to be kind of negative and you're not going to like it. Nothing's perfect. In my situation, one of the things that's rather agonizing is the solitude. They use solitary confinement as a um, it's a type of torture. It's a type of mental torture. Well, that's me. <laughs> okay, um, you know, and it's like uh, people would say to me, "Well, you can go to church," uh, you know, and. Yes, I could go to church for Jesus hugs, and I could staple my lips together so I don't say anything, and I can sit there and listen to them saying things that I know are absolutely wrong and need to be corrected, but I can't do that because that would be a sin. Unless the God, unless our Heavenly Father quickens unto you, I, I've had a situation where God wanted, I didn't even know it, I had no control of myself, but I was in a church, the church was wow, satanic. It was a Christian church, but it had gone totally satanic. It had painted all their walls black. They never mentioned the name of Jesus. It was full of people. It was like being at a black mass. And the Lord, something came over me, man. I lost complete control of my body. I lost complete control of my mouth. I lost complete control of everything. I was literally under the control. I don't know. I was under the control of, I don't know, the power of God or something. Because I got up out of my chair. I went right into the middle of the one of the uh, passageways between all of the pews and everything. And I... I I couldn't control myself, and I pu pulled my shoes off, and I slapped them together three times in the, above my head. Bang, bang, bang. And I said, his name is Jesus. And then I walked several uh, about ten stairs f further up toward the exit, and I turned around again, and I looked back, and I, I held my shoes up, and I went smack, smack, smack over my head. His name is Jesus. And when I left, I, I walked right out into the parking lot. I got into my car, and I found out from one of the elders of the church who had asked me to go there and tell me what I thought, which, of course, <laughs> I guess by then he knew. Um, you know, and, and I found out later that they had two major blackouts, two major power outages. That the, 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 the church pastor tried to come up and save the, 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 the whole thing, and he's like, I don't know what that was all about, uh, but uh, let's just go ahead and continue in. And all of a sudden, boosh, the whole church went black. Nobody could see anything. Then after a while, the lights came back up. And he's like, well, I don't know why that happened, but let's go ahead and continue with the church service. And he starts to, you know, he's like, let's blah, blah, blah. And, and all of a sudden, lights go out again. Totally black. No power. 
I was told by the elder that invited me to come to that church that they have never had a power outage in the 20 years that he'd been going there. Very weird stuff. <laughs> Very supernatural. But as a general rule, you're not supposed to go into a church and pick on the pastor. You're not supposed to pick on anybody that's serving God. That's a sin, and it's called out specifically in the Bible. Explicitly, by the way. Now, I'm going to read this. I I mentioned before that I have seen some respite, uh, uh, not much, but some. And I have seen some really good things coming from Wings of Prophecy in the last, I don't know, year or so. Uh, And I'm not saying that good, bad, or ugly are indifferent. I'm just saying that they meant something to me. And if I see a prophetic word and it means something to me and I don't see error in it, that's saying... That's speaking volumes. Okay, I usually, when I look at a prophecy, I can invariably see the humanness, the flesh, and the incorrect understanding of the Holy Bible woven throughout the prophetic word. I'm not going to name names, but I can see it all the time. And I'm like, oh, they're they're dorked up. They're not hearing right. And there's a million reasons why that can happen. But anyway, all that beside, um, this is from Wings of Prophecy. And I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to scroll my little head up closer so I can. October the 25th of 2022 is when it was posted. I think it's really important for all of us. Now, granted, your refiner's fire, the things that God is going to make you go through that are just absolutely horrible and intolerable. And they're going to be bad. Um. It's by design, and it's custom designed just for you. So what I have to always remind myself, because one of the things that Christians do erroneously all the time is they say, ooh, that person must have opened up a portal. That, mu- that person must have done something bad, because look at all the bad things that are happening to them. Now, this is just coming from utter ignorance. They don't understand the Bible. They think they do. And then, of course, to make matters worse, judge not that the E be judged. They are judging, therefore... They're going to get judged if they don't repent for it, which they probably won't. That's why the Bible says things like we will have to give account for every word that we've ever said, because if you said it out of iniquity and you haven't confessed of it to our Father and been forgiven of it and had had that iniquity and the sin of it blotted out, then yeah, you're going to have to give an account. And it's not going to be a fun time. The key is to know your Bible really, really well and confess of all of it continuously and be in godly sorrow and striving constantly to get better and better because you love God and you love Jesus. That's the key. That's the quintessential, awesome, most awesome place to be in the secret place of the Most High. That's when you break out, hopefully, past the sophomore level. You go into your junior level, and now you're going to start to have the refiner's fire. One person that is a pretty regular listener of the program, she wrote me a letter and said, um, you know that prayer vigil that you did to, you know, to teach people how to speak in tongues? Well, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit from that prayer vigil, and I'm so happy. And I, I was, oh, I was like, you know, because usually when there's one person, there's 50 others that won't talk to, you know, they won't write you a letter. Well, this person let me know, and I was like, oh, praise God. And um, about like a week later... She tells me that her husband walked into her, into the room and said, 
I wanted a divorce. I want a divorce. Well, now she's going through living hell. I mean, he isn't even helping her with food for the kids. This is really bad. That's, I have example after example. I know another person. I have. I, I love him. He's a great guy. Super awesome. And um, he's got a medical problem, and the insurance isn't going to pay for it. And basically, he'll be crippled for life if he doesn't. If you know, it's a bad situation. And he and he was telling me, well, I'm believing that God's, you know, he's going, I'm just believing in a financial miracle that somebody's just going to give me fifteen thousand dollars. And I sent him the book. I sent him a copy of the book, How to Heal the Sick, by Charles and Francis Hunter, and gave him some scriptures. And I said, why don't you seek divine healing? Never heard a word back yet. Is it that he doesn't believe in it? Or he doesn't have the faith in it? Or what? I don't know. I don't understand that. I'm just befuddled. Because the chances that God's going to rain $15,000 down on your head versus the chances that he, with faith and proper prayer and seeking scripturally the laying on of hands of fellow believers that believe in divine healing, that's a much, it doesn't cost a penny, and it's a promise of the Holy Bible. It's the easy, It's a much better way to go than praying that God's going to drop fifteen grand on your head. <laughs> you know, it's not always about money. It's about faith. It's about knowing your scripture. It's about doing what Jesus told us to do, to being the Christians that we ought to be. And I, and I know it's tough. You have to suck up. You know, but if you have pride in your heart and you got an issue with going into a church that you may not agree with. Or you may disagree with a lot of things, but you're going in there because those are fellow believers and partakers in Christ. They, are, they have the power of Jesus Christ flowing through them. Nobody's perfect. And humbling up and going in there and you know waiting till the church service is over and hobbling over to them and asking them to pray for divine healing for you. That's the right biblical thing to do. So anyway, I'm going to read you this um, uh, uh, Wings of Prophecy prophecy, uh, and it's entitled Shakeups and Breakups. Now, the reason why I'm reading this particular one is because I have noticed, although there's a whole portfolio, I mean, there's, golly, I don't even know. I can't, I, I imagine it's limitless, or at least seemingly limitless, the amount of different awful things that the advanced believers those of us who are contenders to be part of the barley harvest. Contenders to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and bring in a greater harvest for our Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And it's entitled Shakeups and Breakups. And the reason this one is so important to call out is because it is um, the most popular of all. It's not the only thing that um, God is using to refine people with and get them to a point of total surrender, totally broken, no other options. There's lots of other things that are happening to people, believe me, that are bad. But this is the number one thing. And because of the radio show and the many people that I get to interact with worldwide, I have a pretty good sampling of the things that are happening 
for those of us who are so blessed that God would refine us through such horrific events in our lives to bring us to that place of total surrender and trust that we need to be for the days ahead, that the days ahead will not be so bad. Because believe you me, it doesn't matter how comfortable you are in your house. If the, if the days ahead are as bad as I think they're going to be, it ain't to you. It, ultimately, it's not going to matter where you are. I'm not saying that God won't protect your house if you're holy and righteous and, and advanced and, we're, and dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Absolutely, he will. But you better not have any weapons in your house. Because forget it. It's all canceled out. You have weapons in your house. Your protections are all canceled out. I'm just letting you know. Oh, but I'm a hunter. Let me tell you something. If 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 there are marauders standing in your front yard getting ready to smash down your garage door and take all your food because they're starving or whatever the case is and rape your 15-year-old daughter or whatever, you know, and you got a gun in that house, and, oh, it's, it's a hunting rifle, don't you know? Well, guess what? If your heart says, when you see those marauders out in the front of you, you know, those rapists and rioters and whatever, heading toward your house, chanting all kinds of satanic chants, and you think for a microsecond that you might have to get your 30 6 out of that cabinet, guess what? All your protections are canceled, and they will break right in your house, rape your 15-year-old daughter because you did not have the faith in Jesus Christ to use the power that you were given through him in love. Romans 12 does not vanish from the Bible because you're afraid of a bunch of people standing in your front yard that are controlled by demons. Praise God. But anyway, so so refiner's heart. This is the number one by, by by far. By far. I would say, just as a guess, teen out of twenty, I'm guessing. That's just a guess. You know, or you could say eight out of ten of the people that I am aware of that are going through refining right now. Bad stuff. Really, really, really horrible, horrible, bad stuff. Where God is going to force you. He's going to force you through those circumstances that you're, that you're being made to go through to totally let go. Totally let go and totally trust him. Perfect love cast out all fear. We were not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Second Peter 1, 7 or 7, 1 or whatever. No, 1, 7. But anyway... Uh, second, I'm sorry, Timothy. But anyway, here's here's the thing. Shakeups and breakups. Let me read this to you. This is the number one thing that I'm seeing people going through with the fiery fire. My children, prepare yourselves. The next season will bring many unexpected surprises. Now, this is this is basically saying down the road, maybe a few months from now, maybe even more down the road or in a you know it might be progressively over time it's letting you it's letting us know that we're going to go through, go through some hard times these unexpected surprises it says many many truths will be revealed you may wish you did not know okay many truths will be revealed that you may wish you did not know. That could be that you could discover that your spouse has been having an affair on you. There's a whole bunch of things it could be. Um, it could be that your home is located in a place that is going to be bombed by a nuke and God's going to force you to lose your house. And you're going to think it's the end of the world. 
until the nuke goes off. If you're not on ground zero, that's going to be a mighty bad week. Probably a mighty bad several months, if not more. Anyway, the Lord continues to speak and says, I do this to make you safer in the season just ahead. I do this to make you safer in the season just ahead. See, remember, <clears throat> you know, Jesus warned in the Olivet Discourse, and you know many of us will be brought before magistrates, and don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will say what you know that kind of thing. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in a, you know being prosecuted for anything. I don't want to be thrown in jail. I can do a lot more for God when I'm not inside of a jail. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that jail ministries are very fruitful. I understand that dynamic because people are they're desperate. They have no place to turn. So where do they turn? To Jesus. Just like the people that are in Iran, like we had in our past show. When they got no place to go, where are they going to go? To Jesus. There ain't no such thing as a fox or uh, as a uh, as a uh, uh, an unbeliever in a foxhole. There's no atheist in a foxhole. So it goes on to say, listen to this, it says, in this time of turnover, I find that a very interesting choice of words. In this time of, time of turnover, I almost imagine myself being like a pancake in a pan and God's just flipping me with a ladle or a you know, spatula. Boink. I flipped your life upside down. In this time of turnover, you will experience shakeups and breakups. In relationships that are near to you, and by the way, those relationships can have to do with your job. A relationship is a very open-ended word if you understand. You know, you have a relationship with your boss. You have a relationship with your coworkers. You have a relationship with your wife. You have a relationship with your kid. You have, you know, this is just, it could be anybody. In this time of turnover, where I flip over your apple cart, all your comfort zones, all the things that you like, all the things that you depend on, all the things that make it. In this time of turnover, you will experience shakeups and breakups in relationships near to you. Now, those shakeups may not re, re, result in a divorce. And I'm and I'm not you know saying you know God hates divorce, but if your spouse has done things that you know, even if let's say they're having a, um, you find out that your spouse is talking to somebody on the phone late at night, and lovey dovey, wovey wovey, and they're you know planning on leaving you or whatever, and you overhear them talking to their new love, you know, their new prospective lover. At that point, they've already committed adultery because adultery occurs in the heart. Well, at that point the relationship is canceled in the eyes of God, and you have every right to dissolve that marriage. Okay, that's the one thing that God, Jesus said straight up, and it can be done over the telephone, just advising. So in this time of turnover, you will experience shakeups and breakups in relationships near to you. I'm, I am sending shakeups into re Now listen to this. Jesus. See, a lot of people be like, oh, that doggone devil, that doggone Satan is just, oh, Jiminy Crickets. No. Listen. 
In this time of t- turnover, you will experience shakeups and breakups in relationships near to you. I am I, Jesus, am sending shakeups into relationships to show you what needs to be revealed. If you trust someone that is untrustworthy, I will reveal it. If a false friend lurks behind a smile, I will reveal it. I am revealing what my children need to know to be safer in the time approaching. But some of these revelations may cause you pain. Now, I have said for years and years and years and years and years, pretty much 11 of them, being on the radio, I've always said, the Bible is an understatement. And I can assure you, any time our Heavenly Father speaks, it's an understatement. So when it says things like, these revelations may cause you pain, personally, in my humanness, I would choose a word more like agony, insomnia, horror, trauma, But the Lord, in this case, just chose the word pain. But what I'm seeing is trauma. What I'm seeing is agony. And I'm seeing a lot of it, folks. A lot of it. To me, it comes from lots of different directions. I get it from my work. It's it's almost like... I must have a characteristic in my personality. Maybe all of us do. I don't know. But I don't know. But then again, I have this microphone, and it puts me in a different situation, and it's ominous. It, everybody might think, oh, I've had this people say this to me all the time, and it is so absolutely biblically inaccurate. I'll say things like, well, you're going to have lots of blessings and rewards in heaven. And I'm like, what? Did you completely forget the last will be first and the first will be last? Did you forget that James, the brother of Jesus, said, I would want for, not for many of you to be teachers? Because don't you know that we receive a stricter punishment? I'm sorry, judgment? Man, I'll tell you what, I spend more time repenting and, and in tears because I'm like freaking out. When I talk about advanced mysteries of the Bible and things, you know, I fear God. Anybody out there who thinks for for a nanosecond that I don't fear God vehement, I don't know what the right word is, humongously, then you then you then you don't get it. <laughs> you know? I do. So there's no way I would say any of these things if I wasn't sure about them. And if I'm not sure about something and I'm speculating, I will call it a sanctified hunch. It's a guess an estimation, whatever you want to call it. But some of these things I know, I just know that it's a fact. I know that chastening happens to people that are at a lower level in their walk. And refiner's fire events, which are much worse, happen to people that are at a very much higher and more advanced level in their walk and sanctification. And, and that's because God is, just for the reason that you just heard in this prophecy, God is bringing us to a place it's not only to get us to totally surrender and to trust him, which is 
the only way you're going to have any peace and the only way you're going to get to be able to experience the promises of protection that are in Psalm 91 and all over the Bible. You know, so many times we'll grab scriptures and we'll hang on to them and we'll write them on cards like I do and carry them in our pockets, but we're not meeting the bottom. We're not meeting the the prerequisites. We're still not trusting God. We ought to be, before we start grabbing a hold of those promises in the Bible, we really should be working on the root cause problem that we're dealing with. And that problem is inside of our heart. Our time needs to be focused on, Father, I don't fully trust you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I praise you because I know you're going to come through for me, and you sing praises. Folks, I'm telling you all throughout my day, I grab my little gratitude stone just as a little reminder sitting in front of my laptop, and I sit there. Sometimes I'm bawling between meetings, and I'm just saying, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, and I just praise you. I know you're going to come true, come through for me. I praise you, Father. I praise you, Father. Like right now, I just had, they flew drones over my house today. People came here in trucks, or in a big truck and stuff, and they're like flying. I'm like sitting in 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 in, in my bedroom, you know, in my prayer chair, and I'm hearing like going past my window. I mean, it's absolutely crazy the things that they're doing down here in Florida over insurance, and and it's like I have every reason in the world to be in a dead heat panic over it. And yes, you know, as things are happening, I'm like that twinge, that rush of worry, that rush of oh no, what if? And at that moment, I'm, I'm in sin. Romans 14.23b says, that which is not from faith is sin. Then I have to, I'm sorry, Father, and mean it, matter of fact it, mean it, no lip service. If you're really sorry, you're going to feel godly sorrow. It's part of the walk. And yes, if you're going through the divorce, if you've been married for 20 years and some, God, you think about it. What did Jesus say? He said that our own fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters are going to turn against us. Our, our spouses are going to turn against us. We're entering into a time right now where, where Christian organizations are being kicked out of banks. They're being forbidden to even open accounts by J.P. Morgan, which is one of the most evil banking industries in the entire world, which, you know, unfortunately owns my mortgage. But anyway, the point, it's, it's like, look, Matthew 10, 35, for I have come to set man against his father daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and man's enemies will be those of his own household he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me who loves son son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he who does not take up his cross and follow after me with no weapons total surrender taking your stripes and bleeding going to your death willingly is not worthy of me He who seeks to save his earthly life will lose it. You're going to lose what? Think about it. It Could this possibly mean this? Let's let's do a, a word analysis on this. He who finds his life will lose it. Now let's 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 just, let's just stop. We're not going to look at the last part, the last clause. We're going to look at the first clause of verse 39 of Matthew 10. He who finds his life will lose his earthly life. Is that what that means? 
Which life is which life? He, if you find your life, how do you lose your life? Doesn't make sense. So the, the implication here is very clear. These words, he who finds his life will lose it. There are two lives, two lives that are, one is implied and one is explicitly stated. He who finds his life will lose which life? He who finds his life will lose which life? The eternal life or the earthly life? Let's it's, let, let's see. He let's see how it works. He who finds his earthly life will lose his earthly life. He who finds his earthly life will lose his earthly life. Well, we're all going to lose our earthly life. Aren't we all going to die sooner or later? He who finds his earthly life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Wait a minute. What are you going to find? It's eternal life. So isn't it fascinating that in the second clause, he who loses his life, his earthly life, for my sake, because of Jesus, you're willing to lay your life down. doesn't mean you're going to go out and buy a 12-gauge semi-automatic shotgun and start shooting everybody. That's ridiculous. He who loses his life for my sake will find his eternal life. That's what that means. But he who finds his earthly life will lose his eternal life. If you're seeking to keep your, your earthly life, then you're already out of alignment with God's will. Now, will God protect you? Could you possibly live a long life because of divine protection and walking in holiness, having fear of God, trusting God, going through the trials and tribulations, seeking God's righteousness in your life, having a contrite spirit, no presumption with sin? Yes! Hallelujah! We can. We have that opportunity set before us, but there are no promises. We are not greater than our master. But one thing's for sure. If you don't go through these fiery trials that are to try you, as if something strange has happened to you, and give glory to God while it's going on, and learn to trust and surrender, let it go. You're not going to get the protection that you need. You're not going to be able to walk in peace. You're not going to be able to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and you might miss, you might miss being part of the barley harvest. I will tell you, folks, that if that big copper ball spaceship shows up in the sky, and I'm still here on the earth, to hear NASA come on television and tell everybody that the people were taken by the aliens, then I will re realize at that moment that I missed the barley harvest. And it will be the most devastating, crushing event of all of my eternity. Crushing. And that word does not do that agony, justice. Praise Jesus for our fiery trials. Recognize it means you are in the advanced, super advanced group. 
and you are blessed. Very, very blessed. But it's going to suck balut. You're going to hate it. You're going to be afraid. You've got to repent of that fear. You've got to praise God. You've got to get past it. You've got to believe. You've got to praise, 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 praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know you're going to bring me through this. And you've got to mean it. Trust God, because when you trust God, guess what? He's technically obligated to go ahead and bring you through it. Now, if you don't trust God, that's a whole different story. We've got to get to that place, and it's a wonderful, glorious place to live, to walk, to realize that every time you look over your shoulder and you see another gigantic freight train with the devil's face on it or whatever heading straight at you, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, because that is one more opportunity that God is bringing you closer to him, an opportunity to trust him, to believe with all of your heart that nothing is going to touch you because you have God has you in your hands hands in his hands god jesus has you in his hands and you are where you need to be in your walk the refiner's fire is a blessing but boy oh boy is it hard to get that earthly filth out of our minds souls it even says second corinthians 7 1 it says now knowing these things brethren let us cleanse ourselves of, of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit did you know that you could have a filthy spirit filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness how in the fear of god if you fear god you're going to be like oh, oh, oh i don't want to end up in hell and you're going to get on your knees but after a while, you'll develop a Abba relationship. You'll it'll be your dear father, and you know it's it it doesn't change the fear factor. It, there's always and I, I, yeah, I guess I'm using the reverent fear. There's but reverent fear. I'm not talking about reverence and all. That's what that's the cop out that that churchianity uses. They try to say that fear is you're awed by God. And yet that all makes you fear him because he's so amazing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That, while all of that is true, that is not the type of fear that this is talking about. But you can have reverent fear. Reverent fear is re you're reverently seeking God because you love him with all of your heart and you want to walk in his will, but you definitely fear hellfire if you don't. Remember that story in the Old Testament where they, I don't remember the name of the guy, but they sent the guy, God sent the guy and told him to go impregnate some woman, and he decided he was going to do the, you know, the old-fashioned birth control thing. Everybody misinterprets that and thinks that I'm not going to get into that stuff. But anyway, I'm, I'm just, bottom line is the reason why God killed him was because he was disobedient. It had nothing to do with you know, the, the way that he went about it. He just didn't do what he was directly told to do. But anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. I just wanted to share with you encouragement. I know this does, may not come across as being encouraging because we are indeed talking about some really, really awful stuff that, that many of us are going through. We're touching upon it. But the encouraging part is you've got to divorce yourself, cut the umbilical cord from the world. Don't worry. Don't have anxiety. Learn to trust. 
Surrender. Know that God is going to bring you through. Praise constantly. Know it. Praise him. It's it's already given. You've already got the reward. It is already on its way to you. It, God just has to bring you through the different steps, one by one by one. And it might happen over a long period of time, but you know what? Over that period of time is a wonderful opportunity for you to draw in closer to the Lord and trust him more and praise him more and stay away from the negativity, which opens up demonic opportunities for you to get slapped around when you don't need to go through that on top of all the other stuff. Let it go. Surrender equals peace. Trusting God equals peace. Isaiah 26, 3. I, I almost lost it when, when uh, Muhammad Faridi, uh, on the last show, now he didn't mention the scripture, you know, the, the chapter and verse, but he actually said, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts you. He kind of semi quoted that scripture and I was like wow because that's the key that's the key so many oh my gosh please in Jesus name if you're going to do a word study do a word study on the word trust testament and new now there'll there'll be some stuff you know that you might have to, that you know, that's telling, you know, talking about a Bible story or whatever, that's not going to directly touch your heart. But there will be other scriptures that you will want to like put on three by five cards and laminating and carry with you because it, you are afforded. I'm telling you, when you trust God, the promises of protection, the promises of prosperity. Now, remember, God, God doesn't see prosperity in the form of a car payment, okay? God sees prosperity. He doesn't see it as $15,000 dropping out of the sky either. God sees prosperity as us walking in holiness and righteousness and sanctification as we are running to him. That is prosperity. And and if we are not being blocked, body blocked, by horrible events in our lives, and God is clearing the way. Remember, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and always acknowledge him. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Hallelujah. And he will make your path straight. He will open the doors that you need to have opened. He will slam shut the doors that you don't need to go through. He will make your path straight. You will hear in your ear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the left hand or whenever you turn to the right, Isaiah 30, 21, hallelujah. This is the promise that we are given when we get to the place of trust, but you don't get to learn to trust God. You have to be forced into it. It does not happen automatically. You have to go through the ugly. You have to surrender. And when you surrender, you have to come to a place where you don't have anybody else to trust. And that's a very good place to be. And believe me, <laughs> I've been taking, I've been going through hell on earth for over five solid years. Now, I've gone through a lot of tough stuff before that, but I'm talking about continuous. And that makes me uniquely qualified. That in combination with the blessing of communications with believers all over the world that are going through a lot of this stuff that's even in this prophecy and other things too, other things that are traumatic. Very traumatic. And we got to come to that place of trust. This is a blessing. This is why the scripture says, all freaked out about the fiery trials that are to try you as if something strange happened to you. This is the word of God 
quickening unto our hearts that what we're going through are really blessings. The, the, the only thing is that the Scripture doesn't necessarily help us to understand how that is going to affect where we land in eternity, how that's going to affect which one of the rescue missions we're going to qualify for, first fruits, wheat harvest, final harvest. You, know, we, you see what I'm saying? The Scripture doesn't connect those dots. Those have to be connected through the Holy Spirit over time in seeking God. And seeing the spiritual harmony of the scriptures and how it all weaves together so that you can see the tapestry of glory that is that 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 awaits you as a result of these really inconsequential events that are happening in your life that seem so traumatically horrible, raising my hand, but in reality don't mean diddly. Because reality is eternity. I don't know why. I'm not even the type of person to want to be in charge of other people. But I just know in my heart that being part of the first fruits, the first watch, barley harvest, is just it is I don't have anything inside of me. There's nothing in my heart that would make me say I want that because I want to be in power. I want that because I want to be in charge of more of the kingdom and inherit more. I want that because none of that's in me. I am really satisfied. (laughs) Easily. I'm very easily satisfied. I have no aspirations for greatness. (laughs) Okay? None. It doesn't even exist in me at all. None. But I just feel my whole, I don't know, everything inside of me, my spirit just is energized. My whole, everything that I look at, everything that has to do with, I mean, I I hate this place. I hate this place. I hate it, and I hate it more every day because of the evil and the, and the sickness and the twisted and the horrible. But you know what? I just don't, I don't, keep your mind stayed, continuously focused on things above and not on things of this earth. And when I do that, I just see, I just, I am so hungry. I want everything. I want it all. I want it because I'm closer to Jesus. I'll be able to sit with him and talk with him. You know how many people that'll, that'll, that will make it to heaven, that will be in the, um, uh, uh, which is, you know, you know, in the country mansions and country areas out in the outer darkness areas, you know, the shadowy area of heaven, way outside of the, you know, way far away from Mount Zion. Do you know how many of those Christians? won't even get to see Jesus. They might see him walking along. He might come out and visit. But they're not going to have an, you know, they're not going to, like, be able to sit down and hang out with Jesus. They all think they're going to. But it doesn't work like that. Can't speak to, I'm not saying that for permanently that's the way it's going to be. That's not, not what I'm saying. But from all of my study of, of testimonies of heaven, which is a lot, a lot, <clears throat> there's a progression that needs to happen in glory, that you have to move up. But Jesus mostly hangs out in Mount Zion with the Father. That's where I want to be. I want a city mansion because that's where Jesus is. That's where our Father is. I want to be in the presence of the Father. I want to be. I want to see all the really awesome stuff. Don't get me wrong. I would be very, very happy to make it to heaven at all and have a little Thomas Kincaid 
cottage. I mean, gosh, how amazing would that be with all of my animals that I've had that have passed away and are hanging out up there waiting for me to get there and having a good old time? I mean, I do, do, yes, I would be glor- I would be like, yes, thank you, Jesus, I made it. Hallelujah, this is wonderful. But wouldn't it be so much more awesome to have a city mansion, to be able to have regular meetings with Jesus? To be able to have a view of the throne room and to be able to walk through the courts and, and just be welcomed there and have charge over the courts and all that kind of stuff. I mean, wow, that's just awesome. And guess what? If you're going through shakeups and breakups and divorces and horrible things and car breakdowns and financial distress and losing your house and all these other horrible things and you're getting to a place where you have no one to turn to but the Lord and you have to trust him, guess what? You're in the first runner-up position. That's where you need to be. That's why it tells us that we should praise God when we're going through these crummy things. It tells us that because the end result is going to be so awesome. And believe me, I got no idea. I've never had a vision. I've never had a godly dream. I have all kinds of supernatural things happen to me all the time, (laughs) okay? But that's the extent of it for me. Praise God. But I get it. Thank you, Jesus. And I know I'm right about this stuff. I know I am. But I wouldn't have known any of these things that I shared tonight. Not a one of them would have been something I could have talked about five years ago. I would have had no idea. Eleven years ago, I would have had no idea. I would have had absolutely no idea. I had to go through the things that I went through and learn and seek God, experience it, see the futility, see the desperacy, deal with the agony, the sleepless nights, the constant bombardment of endless bad luck is what it feels like. But then you realize it's just fiery trials. And then I always ask myself, what do I need to learn? And invariably, it's always total surrender, total trust. Total surrender and total trust. Then all the negative feelings go away and you have peace. Praise God. And at this time, because we've run so late in the program... Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and take communion. Without all the, uh, we'll do one of those where we don't do all the music and stuff. Thank you, Lord. As a matter of fact, this is what I do every, almost, not every single morning, but almost every morning in my bedroom. Early when it's nice and dark and I can't hear birds tweeting. I light a little candle. I take the... Um. Exodus blend holy oil that was used by the Levitical priest, etc., to um, anoint the vessels in the tabernacles, the vessels, the chalices, and all the different things. And then I also anoint the water in my golden, my golden bowl of forgiveness, that long testimony. And I use that to pray for people all over the world like we do on the show a lot, like I hope that you do too, even when we're not doing the program. The more people that do that, 
the more we're going to make the devil mad. And that's what we're supposed to do. Steal the souls of people and give them to Jesus to glorify God. But I stand there in front of the candle that's lit and I take the Exodus oil in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit and I anoint the little crystal decanter that has the matzah bread in it. The oil, I'm sorry, the wine, which is Mount Hermon Red, which I get from kosherwines.com. It's right from Israel. Anyway, I poured in my little chalice and uh, and then I take communion. I love it. It's very intimate. Let's do that together now. Imagine Jesus standing right in front of you and saying these words. On the day in which I was betrayed, I took bread and I broke it and I gave thanks to our Father. And I said, here, take, eat. This is my body, symbolic of my body that is going to be broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And just like that, I took the cup after supper. And I looked right at you and I said, this cup is representative of the new covenant of my blood. I'm hanging from that cross in agony. Please do this whenever, whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. Remember me, because I'm coming for you. Ani Lodoti Vidoti Lee. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Praise you, Jesus. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us tonight. Please keep praying. And just remember, I know this is touching a lot of people because I'm getting the emails and I'm getting the communications, and I know what people are going through. It seems like it's never-ending. But it really is a blessing got to be in the top 1% of the class. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And looking at the calendar, I will see you next Friday, Lord willing. Don't, don't forget, I will be with my family in Pennsylvania the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. And I will be also doing some Christmas on 23, 24, 25, and 26. So on those two Fridays, I'm, I may play. On the 16th, for sure, I'll have to play a rerun. And on um, on the 23rd, it's still a little bit up in the air, but it's likely I'll have to do it then, too. Anyway, God bless you all. Thank you all for joining us. And if it's Lord's, if it's, if it's our Father's will, if he doesn't bless me and let my heart stop in the middle of the night, which I'm pretty sure he isn't going to, um, but I would see that as a, as a blessing. But anyway, if it is Lord's will, we'll see you next Friday, same time, 7 p.m. God bless you all.
Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.